first thing we want to talk about here is this. You know, Rob, one of the films, uh, one of the properties, I should say, that I am extremely excited about, even though its predecessor was complete and utter garbage, is a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Because I don't know if you knew this, I'm kind of into Dungeons and Dragons. My wife and I are both. Yeah, my wife and I both kind of into Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe the table was what gave it away. Yeah, maybe the table is what gave it away. So we both love Dungeons and Dragons. I was very excited to to then find out that the guys behind Game Night, uh, which I thought was incredibly well done, and they were going to do The Flash until they clashed with Ezra Miller. And so then they left. But the guys who did that, they're doing this Dungeons and Dragons film apparently. And then we heard a while ago that Chris Pine was going to be starring in it. And I love Chris Pine, so that made me very excited. Well, now they've added two more cast members that have caught my attention. The new Dungeons and Dragons movie, which continues to move forward, have just added Michelle Rodriguez, who I really like from the Fast and the Furious films. And they've added Justice Smith, who, you know what? That little Pikachu movie, he was the heartbeat. I thought he was like, everybody's talking about Pikachu, Pikachu, Pikachu. The movie doesn't work, I don't think, unless Justice Smith made it, made it work. So apparently they are going to be popping up in this as well. This is coming to us from the folks over at uh, Cinema Blend who, who are quoting the rap, who said, per the rap, the new Dungeons & Dragons movie is cast Fast and the Furious Michelle Rodriguez and Detective Pikachu's Justice Smith in undisclosed roles, which is, uh, you know, to be expected right now. Uh, Jonathan Goldstein and Jonathan Francis Daly, best known for writing and directing the 2018 comedy Game Night, have both penned the script and are set to helm the action-adventure feature. Hasbro is the big force behind the production, producing the film through their in-house company, All Spark Pictures which is in the midst of developing a whole new wave of projects based on the brand's toys. Rob, I was already excited that they were going to be doing a Dungeons and Dragons movie. I got more excited when I heard it was going to be Chris Pine starring it, because I think he's fantastic. I got more excited when I found out that the guys behind Game Night are going to be involved with it. And I like, for supporting cast, I like this little bit of casting we just heard. Rob, you've just heard about this. What do you think about the move? I mean... Uh, you know, he doesn't look that medieval to me, but I love him as an actor. I loved him in Hell and High Water, and uh, I'll watch anything he's in, but if he's going to strap on some swords and battle axes and maybe some 20-sided dice, I'm in. Uh, and some 20-sided dice. By the way, I just thought I'd pull this up. You know, Anne and I just moved. Anne's got her new office set up. I just thought I'd share this little picture with you here. This is like uh, one of the main uh, shelves in uh in our office room there that has got set up you think we're into D a little bit you think and, no. and believe me we've got boxes full of other stuff there as well so yeah i might be a little bit biased when it comes to this anyway guys what do you think about the casting of michelle rodriguez and justice smith in the new dungeons and dragons movie maybe you even forgot they were making this thing maybe you forgot chris pine was going to be in it what do you guys think jump down to the comments section below and let me know your thoughts okay guys let's do another off the top here and this one is is kind of sad, but also understandable. In the real world, when big companies merge with other companies, it can mean some very good things, but it also inevitably means there's going to be some redundancy. You know, we don't need two VPs of finance. One is going to lose their job. And when Disney took over Fox, we knew that that had some exciting prospects, but we also knew that it was going to mean there are going to be a lot of people that have jobs of redundancy and will probably lose their jobs. Well, the latest, uh, guess you could say, um, casualty of that is the animation studio Blue Sky Studios. 
the company behind the uh, hit animated franchise Ice Age. They recently did Spies in Disguise. They did another uh, a few other things as well. And Blue Sky is now being shut down. They are shutting it down. Apparently, from what I read, they have around 450 employees. I'm sure some of them will get rehired in some of the other Disney animation brands. I would assume some of them will probably be picked up and acquired. But overall, Blue Sky Studios being shut down. Now, on the one hand, that that obviously is, is sad news. On the other hand, I'm surprised they hadn't shut it down already, only because how many animation divisions does Disney need to have? You know, Rob, you and I were talking about this just briefly before the show started. I mean, when you look at Disney, they already have Disney animation and they already have Pixar animation. They already have two major animation studios under their roof. And I guess, you know, having that third just became redundant. I'm sure that Spies in Disguise, I think that was the last movie they put out, only making $171 million probably didn't help the case. And it wasn't all right. that good. That didn't help the case either. Whereas Pixar and Disney Animation continue to crush it. So it's sad. It's unfortunate. But honestly, not that surprising and kind of understandable at the same time. I don't know, Rob, you heard about this news. Blue Sky, Blue Sky Studios getting shut down. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, when you spend what? How many billions of dollars on Fox? You got to be frugal. And, uh, you know, it's not like Disney hasn't been in the business of animation before. Go figure. Uh, it's it's probably it was probably inevitable. But uh, it's uh, you look whenever whenever somebody loses their job, it's a bummer. And um, I, I don't like that. But I think there was no there was no way around it for them. I mean, you've got Pixar, you've got. Their 2D animation facility, uh, it's how, like you said, I mean, it's how many, how many animation studios do you need? Yeah. Hopefully they'll hire all those people and put them to work somewhere else. Yeah. And, and that's, like I said, I, I don't know how many of them will, will get picked up, but I'm sure at least probably some of their brightest lights and bit best talents yeah. will probably get picked up. But, you know, whenever you have a studio, especially one that had like legitimate memorable hits on its hands. Uh, getting shut down and folded into something else. It's always sad. Whenever somebody in the industry loses their jobs and when whenever there's one less entity out there creating content, it's always sad. Anyway, guys, you heard about this news. Blue Stice Sky Studios being shut down by Disney. It's an unfortunate thing. What do you think? Do you think this was a reasonable move by Disney because they already have two other animation studios? Or do you think Disney's missing out on an opportunity to have like three fully running, operational, independent kind of animation stuffs? What are your thoughts on that? Jump down into the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top, shall we? Uh-oh. And the Spider-Man 3, Rob. Spider-Man 3, soap Are they opera. Spider-Man 3? It continues to spin, Rob. It continues to go. Of course, a lot of rumors, misdirects, confirmations, you know, uh, debunking and all this kind of stuff. Okay, so here's the story, guys. If you guys will remember, some reports came out, really rumors more than reports, but that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were going to appear in Spider-Man 3. At first, I was like, eh, that... That sounds a little too far out there. I, I didn't buy into it at first, but you know, we keep our eyes open on it. Then we started to hear other kind of supporting 
anecdotal, granted, but anecdotal and circumstantial evidence coming along. And while we have never gotten any confirmation from anybody in an actual position to officially confirm that Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire were going to appear in Spider-Man 3, I actually came around to believing that they are. I believe that they are. I, I don't know that they are. Again, we've heard, we've seen no solid evidence and we've heard nothing from actually people in power confirming that they will be there, granted. But I've kind of come around to kind of believing that they will pop up in there. I, I think they will. Now, Rob, you remember that the other day, the story got a little more interesting because Tom Holland came out and said, look, I don't even know if they're in it, said Tom Holland, who's probably the worst guy running his mouth in the MCU. And I say this is a guy who loves Tom Holland. I love the, the kid. I think he's wonderful. But, you know, he's he's become known. It's the running joke that he's the guy who lets things slip. So he thought, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Tom Holland is now taking it one step further. In an interview <laughs> with Esquire... He's, he's gone now beyond saying, I don't know if Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland or Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are in Spider-Man 3. He's now saying definitively, no, they're not in it. This is what he said. When Esquire asked him about it, he said, no, no, they will not be appearing in this film. Talking about Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Unless they have hidden the most massive piece of information from me, which I think is too big of a secret for them to keep from me. But as of yet, no, it'll be a continuation of the Spider-Man movies that we've been making. So Tom Holland has skipped from I don't know if they're in it to no, no, they will not be appearing in this film unless they're keeping it from me. But it's too big of a thing to be able to keep from me, blah, blah, blah. Now. That isn't the only thing he said. He then, of course, went on to say, I honestly have no idea what the film is about. I have no idea what the film's about, and I'm eight weeks into shooting it. They do it all the time. In Endgame, Robert Downey Jr.'s funeral scene, for the longest time, I was under the impression that it was a wedding scene. I am 100% sure that they're still tricking me. So, on the one hand, he's saying, no, 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 Rob, they're not in this movie. I mean, they could be keeping a secret, but it's too big of a thing to keep a secret. I would know they're not in it. But at the same time, he's saying, but, you know, they've tricked me before. We thought we were shooting a wedding scene. Really? You thought everybody wearing black was a wedding scene? Sure. Whatever. Let's run with that. Well, so, <laughs> so I mean, everybody looking sad and morbid and all wearing black. And you thought that was a wedding scene. OK, let's just go with that for now. Uh, but but look. This kind of like Rob, when he came out and said that he didn't know if they were in there, we said there are two possibilities. One is that, hey, no, seriously, Disney has learned their lesson and they're keeping certain things from him. That's possible. But you and I both felt like the more probable thing was <clears throat> this was Tom Holland learning the game and deciding to throw a little bit of misdirect out there. And you and I both believe that he does indeed know if they're in it and he's just pretending that he doesn't know. He's doubling down now. Now he's saying, no, no, it's not just that I don't know. Look, I, they're not in it. They're not in it. They are not in this movie. I still contend, Rob, that he could be telling the truth and they are in it. And, and here's what I mean by that. He could be telling the truth because I've said, while I do believe that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire will pop up in this movie, I also believe it's going to be a very small kind of thing that they pop up as. 
or pop up. I don't think it'll be long. I think it is completely possible that in Tom Holland's mind, he doesn't think they're showing up in this movie, but maybe Marvel will slip them in there in a small way in which that Tom Holland wouldn't even notice that they're there. I think that's possible. It is, of course, still possible, Rob, that he's telling the plain truth factually and Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are not in this movie. I mean, the reality is up until now, we have still received no confirmation from anybody in a position to do so that they're in it. All we've heard is whispers and rumors and made up things and all that kind of stuff that have led. But there's been enough of it to lead me to believe that they are going to be there. So I don't know. I, I still think Tom Holland is maybe... Uh, in the words of Shakespeare, uh, she does protest too much. I think he's protesting too much. I still think he's just covering. I think they will be there, but we don't know for sure. Rob, you hear Tom Holland saying these things that he's saying now. What are your thoughts on all this? Well, I look at it this way. I think that um, maybe they sent Tom Holland to spoiler therapy, where <laughs> he's been talking with a therapist, a spoiler therapist for a long time, and the therapist has taught him how to redirect his uh, opinions. So in his mind, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are not in the movie. However, there are other Spider-Men and other Peter Parkers in the movie. So if someone asks him, are Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland, or Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in this movie, Tom Holland thinks, no. There are, however, alternate Peter Parker's in alternate versions of Spider-Man, but you didn't ask me that question, so I don't have to answer. I'm answering truthfully. There's nobody named Tommy McGuire that's actually in the film. I've They're not in the script. And there's no one named Andrew Garfield in this movie either. All I've dealt with is other Peter Parker's and other Spider-Man's, but you didn't ask me that question, so I'm going to answer truthfully. Are you saying he's pulling an Obi-Wan Kenobi that what I told you was true from a certain point of view? Is that, what, is that what he's that's doing? Probably. Look, look, if Evan Peters is in WandaVision, uh, you know, I, I think that all human beings are sometimes they deal with trauma and mystery in different ways. Perhaps, um, you know, we all tell ourselves what we need to tell ourselves to get through the day. No one can delude themselves more than we can. And I think the spoiler therapist has conditioned Mr. Holland to give <laughs> answers that will no longer piss Kevin Feige off. And I think he's learned his lesson. So I think we should take everything that falls out of that young boy's mouth. Well, he's not a young boy now. I guess he's in his 20s with a grain of salt, John. A grain of salt. Yeah, that's so the I, way I see it. I so tell me if you think there's a fourth. So right now, to me, there are three options here. Option number one is that he is telling the truth, and that is the truth. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are not in this movie. Option number two, he thinks he's telling the truth. He's not aware. Disney is literally keeping it from him that they make some kind of cameo or whatever in it, and that's a possibility. Option number three is that he has learned after many, many mistakes to hide what's going on in the MCU. I personally lean towards that one. It sounds like that's what you are too. So I don't know. Do you see a fourth option here? Those are the three options I see in front of us. Is there a fourth, do you think? Maybe Nicholas Hammond, the original Spider-Man from TV in the late 70s. Maybe he's in the movie. He pops up. Uh, you know, or or maybe, maybe the Spider-Man from the Electric Company is in this movie. You just never know. With the multiverse of madness happening, Gosh, with, with Wanda ripping apart reality, who knows, John? Maybe I am playing Spider-Man in the film, 
but I'll never tell. You heard it here first, folks. Okay, question is, you guys, what do you think about Tom Holland's comments now? He's moved beyond saying I don't know to no, 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 no. They're not in the movie. They couldn't hide this from me. Yeah, sure. Anyway, but late. maybe you guys think it's one of those three options. Maybe they're really not. Maybe he thinks they're not in the R or maybe he knows damn well that they are. And he's just trying to show Kevin Feige that he's learned his lesson. Which of those options do you guys believe? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down, let's now move into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campion Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic, issue, or story that you think we should have as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. When you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question or story. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Miguel, who writes, Hey, John, I guess this news hasn't been brought up because it came out in the midst of the hype of the Super Bowl, but Variety reported that Stacey Osei-Kufour, who I'm sure I'm mispronouncing her name because I've never heard it said, I will absolutely get it once I do hear people say it, has been tapped to write Marvel's Blade. She was one of the writers of the HBO's Watchmen series, which I loved. That's why this makes me excited. What are your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for sending this in, man. And yeah, of course, listen, ever since Kevin Feige brought Mahershala Ali onto the stage and said, we're doing Blade, well, nothing has happened. <laughs> it's been it's been crickets <laughs> and nothing has happened since. And it's, uh, it's, it's it's been a while since that happened. However... You know, they've always said this thing is still happening. We're still doing Blade. But now we've actually got our first concrete uh, bit of uh, bit of information here on this. This comes to us from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter. Right, Stacey Osei-Kufour, a playwright who acted as a story editor and writer on HBO's acclaimed limited series Watchmen, has been tapped to pen the script for the feature reboot of Marvel's vampire hunting franchise. She will be the first black female writer to write a Marvel movie. Nia DaCosta, working on Captain Marvel 2, is Marvel's first black woman director. Mahershala Ali, who won an Oscar for his performance in Green Book, well, he's got another Oscar, by the way, folks, who won an Oscar for his performance in Green Book, is attached to star as the horror hero. That, of course, comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. It's, it's also should be noted here that Mahershala Ali, they say, was actually involved in the process of trying to find the, the right writer for this. Now, look, I'll say this right up front. I don't know a lot of Stacy's work, but I do know the work she did on the uh, Watchmen for HBO. I was skeptical about that Watchmen series. And I didn't know that I liked the trailers all that much. I mean, it was interesting that there was a sequel to the comic book, not a sequel to the old movie. I thought that was an interesting approach. But I found I ended up loving this series. I had some issues with the finale. I, I, I mean, full. I had some issues with the finale and everything. But overall, it, it was one of these shows that I found like I couldn't wait till the next episode came out. 
and I was really hooked into it, really drawn into it. And I, and a lot of that has to do with the story and the pacing of it. And you got to give her full credit for that. So if Kevin Feige and Mahershala Ali have sat down with her and they think they've got their vision pegged for what they think this should be, Rob, to me, that's nothing but good news. I'm all on board. It's like, hey, the writer from Watchmen doing Blade. Okay, I'm in. Kevin Feige signed off on it. Mahershala Ali, two-time Academy Award winner, signed off on it because they like the pitch. All right, I'm in. So for me, Rob, strike this up as a win. I can't get too terribly excited because, like I said, I'm not really familiar with her dossier at this point. But right now, I think this is good news. Rob, you heard about this. What's your take on it? Well, I mean, like you said, obviously, I, I thought while I had certain issues with the Watchmen series, I think overall it was it was pretty compelling television. Uh, it, it, I mean, even if it wasn't have it, it, if it had nothing to do with Watchmen, it would have been pretty, pretty amazing. And, uh, I, you know, I've always believed, uh, unless they fail, I've always believed giving people a chance to step up to the next level, uh, gives people a chance to shine. And I think this is that, that opportunity. And if there's one thing Kevin Feige is good at, is plucking people who have yet to realize their A-list potential, whether it's James Gunn, whether it's the Russo brothers, in this case, our new writer here. Uh, I trust in him. And I think that what we're going to get is probably, you know, it's not like they just plucked her willy-nilly like, hey, uh, you, you want to come in and write a uh, Blade movie for us? No, she had to go in and make a pitch. She had to come in and, and I think present a fully realized vision and so uh, I trust in what Kevin Feige is doing. Question is, guys, what do you think about this? Have you, has it been so long since they announced it? You forgot, so, wait a minute, I forgot they're doing a Blade movie. Yeah, apparently they are. What do you guys think about adding this writer? I really enjoyed The Watchmen, so I think this has got some potential, but we'll see what happens. What do you guys think? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move into main topic Number two, and our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Max Million, who writes, hello, John, hope all is well. It is all well, Max. Thanks for asking. We have known for some time that one of the many video games uh, getting their own movie made is the Borderlands franchise. I've played, you know, I've totally forgotten about that. Uh, I've played a few of the games myself, and they are funny and very cartoonish, yet still an amazing franchise. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we got news that Kevin Hart was added to the upcoming movie cast that already included Kate Blanchett. And now we learn they have just casted Jamie Lee Curtis. What are your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And listen, we are entering into a potential new era, finally, for video game to screen content. We thought, Rob, because, you know, we always joke around here, but it's true. Three absolute truths in life. Death, taxes, video game movies suck. There have been a couple <laughs> of minor exceptions, like the, the most recent Tomb Raider movie I thought was actually pretty good, you know, and things like that. But for the most part, all video game content has sucked. Uh, that's been translated to the screen. We thought we saw the coming of the golden age. When we had coming up in the same year, we had World of Warcraft coming, being directed by the wonderful Duncan Jones. And we had Assassin's Creed starring none other than Magneto himself, Michael Fassbender. And we were sure, I was sure, I'll talk for myself here. I was sure 
that we were entering into a golden age of video game movies, that these two properties would kick off a golden age and not so much. While I personally kind of enjoyed the World of Warcraft movie for what it was, I I mean, it, it clearly wasn't as good as it could have been, and it left a lot of people disappointed. Whereas Assassin's Creed is honestly one of the worst films I've ever seen. I mean, so that just kind of went the way. But Rob, we're entering into a new phase now. We are now hearing of a lot of high-profile AAA titles getting the big screen or small screen treatment. Everything from Halo uh, to we just heard about uh, uh, Solid Snake. We just heard about, I mean, there's a ton of stuff coming. And of course, one of those things is, of course, Borderlands. They already attached one of the greatest living actresses today in Cate Blanchett. I mean, right? aside from Meryl Streep, Rob, I think aside from the Streep monster, Cate Blanchett is the best actress on the planet. That's that's just kind of my opinion, but I think she's as good as it gets. Then they had Kevin Hart, which I, I that was weird to me, like Kevin Hart with Cate Blanchett. Interesting, but I like Kevin Hart. But now they've also added Jamie Lee Curtis. And this, to me, sounds absolutely uh, the, the addition of Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, is wonderful. This comes to us from the folks at Slash Film who write, with very, very few exceptions, film adaptations of video games have primarily operated somewhere in the disappointing to embarrassing failure range. They're absolutely right, it does. But nobody tell Hostel and Cabin Fever director Eli Roth about that because he's putting together a cast for this film's version of the best-selling video game Borderlands that appears to be punching way above its weight class. Horror film icon Jamie Lee Curtis, Halloween and Knives Out, I loved her in Knives Out, uh, is the latest addition to this hyper-talented cast, which also includes Kate Blanchett and Kevin Hart. What a trio. That comes to us from them over there. Rob, we know the struggles of video game properties, trying to make it as movies and TV shows, but we've got a whole slew of AAA titles coming that are looking to change all that. Borderlands is one of them. They're putting together, you got Eli Roth running it. We've got Kate Blanchett and Jamie Lee Curtis now in this. Rob, what do you think about this Borderlands projects, how it's shaping up and specifically the addition of Jamie Lee Curtis? Dude, first of all, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I've loved her since I saw Halloween. Uh, that was actually the very first piece of pre-recorded uh, material I ever owned. Probably watched it a hundred times. And if you've ever seen the movie Perfect that she was in with John Travolta, which is based on a Rolling Stone article, you'll love Jamie Lee Curtis forever. <laughs> but uh, 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 to me, hey, look, I will always reserve judgment on a video game movie. I don't care if Marlon Brando comes back from the dead and uh, <laughs> does a, a streetcar named Desire version of that. I will hold out hope uh, until I see it. But, I mean, obviously, the the cast is interesting and eclectic, which makes it, I mean, more uh, something to look out for, at least. Um, I'm hoping that it's great. I always hope everything's great, but I've never played Borderlands, so I don't I don't know, so I'll go into it cold. So I guess I can judge it on a movie, uh, as a movie itself, rather than going, well, it's a video game adaptation, but... Hopefully it's great. I want it to be great. Fingers crossed. You cannot ever have enough Jamie Lee Curtis in your life. <laughs> All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this edition? I think this is shaping up nicely. Again, I think that I, I like Kevin Hart, but this seems like an odd fit. But hey, they know what role they have in mind for him. But you got Kate Blanchett, Jamie Lee Curtis now. What do you guys think about this development? Jump down into the comment section and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down. Let's move on to main topic 
number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Xander Soros. And Xander Soros writes, Hey, John, quick question. Do you think this year's Comic-Con will happen in July, whether at San Diego or online event like last year's Disney event? Or do you think it'll be canceled again due to two reasons? Uh, All of Warner Brothers 2021 movies are already announced to be on HBO Max and theaters. And President Joe Biden announced that more vaccines will probably be available during the summer. However, it's uncertain if it's before or after July. Love to hear your thoughts and Rob's too, if he's available. Thanks for making this show special. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, look, just to be clear, though, Comic-Con did do a digital Comic-Con last year. They did Comic-Con at home last year. It was a miserable failure. It did not, it did not uh, do all that well. They were now granted it was pulled together. I mean, they were kind of hoping last year until just like two months out, maybe even less that they really still thought they were going to do a live and in person. They were really wanting to do a live and in person one. And then they made the decision not to. And then they had like seven weeks to scramble and try to get this digital one put together. And, and it didn't do very well. Although I got to say, some of the panels they did, because I watched them after the fact, were actually pretty good. Uh, some of the panels they did afterwards were pretty good. So the question comes now, all right. In California right now, we are starting to see some significant declines in the daily new cases numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. we went from, in California, a couple of weeks, just a few short weeks ago, from like 45,000 new cases a day down to, I think the other day was down to 11,000, which is still 11,000 too many, still 11,000 too many and still a bad number. But we are seeing things, hopefully, maybe, maybe I'm being overly optimistic. We are at least seeing things for the moment heading in the right direction. We have vaccines rolling out. We hear the government saying that they plan to have 150 million Americans vaccinated within the first 100 days, and we're already so many numbers of days into it. I actually know a number of people who've been vaccinated. So, I mean, good, that's rolling out, all that kind of stuff. So what does that mean for July? First thing, you asked in your question about, you know, do you think they might just cancel because Warner Brothers already made their announcements? Let's be very, very clear, because I know in movie circles, we may focus on what big movie panels might happen in Hall H, that is a only a fraction of what Comic-Con is. It's only a fraction of what Comic-Con is. Rob, up until Superman Returns, big movie things at, like big huge movie presences at Comic-Con wasn't really a thing on the radar too awful much. Right. So, I mean, right. Comic-Con is much more, much, much, much more than just what big movies will have Hall H panels. I mean, they're important to me, but so the whatever Warner Brothers decides to do or not do is going to be completely irrelevant to whether or not Comic-Con decides to move forward. Rob, here's where it gets tricky for somebody like me. Because I believe July, we very well could be seeing open movie theaters again, movies coming out in theaters again, if... If, and this is a huge if, if things continue to progress with vaccinations continue to rolling out, more and more people getting tested, we see rates starting to drop. If, and we don't know it will, but if that continues, I think July is very realistic that we're going to see open movie theaters and, and things like that. We just had 22,000 people at the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the vast majority of them were all, uh, all of them tested. The vast majority of them already vaccinated. 
But Comic-Con presents a special problem. <laughs> Dude, it's a super spreader event when there is no pandemic. Absolutely. Rob, you and I talk about it. I mean, we joke about it all the time, but it's true. Like, even without a pandemic, like 40% of us, 30 to 40% of us come away from Comic-Con with the Comic-Con crud. Where, like, it feels like one out of every three people comes home from Comic-Con and they get, they're sick. Because they're rubbing shoulder to shoulder with, let's face it, a lot of unwashed people who show up at Comic-Con, don't shower for four or five days, don't well, change to be clothes. Fair, carrying those bags of really heavy hot toys, you know, you, you pit out. You start there, to right? get sweaty, you're rubbing up against total strangers constantly, you got a hundred... Not, way. not, the not, way you want. not in the fun way. Not rubbing no. uglies in the fun way. Not but, like you're going to Dick's Last Resort down there, you know. <laughs> You've got 150,000 people cramming into downtown San Diego. By the way, that to me is still heaven on earth. I I, I love being at Comic-Con just to be around 150,000 people all in a great, fun, celebratory mood. There's something good for the soul yeah. about that. I've always appreciated that. Agreed. But, I mean, yeah. even though I think a lot of things can be open, even though I think theaters can be open by then, even though all that kind of stuff, Comic-Con is still a problem. I'll tell you what, though, Rob. I know a number of the executives at Comic-Con. They, they hell or high water. They want to have their live event this year. They want to do it live. They know last year that doing the digital thing was a massive challenge. Can they do it two years in a row? I know they don't want to. If they see a crack in the door and a little bit of light, they are desperately going to try to do this thing live. It's going to be challenging. I think a lot of things can be open in July. A hundred plus thousand person comic-con i mean i don't know if you you triple the price of tickets and you say we're limiting badge holders from like 150,000 to 30,000 people this year i, I mean i i don't know I'm just, I'm just pulling random ideas out of my ass right now rob it's going to be tough i'm going to guess there's not going to be a live comic-con this year it's certainly possible things are going in the right direction they will certainly try and they will certainly want to in three weeks i may think differently but as of today rob I think that unique kind of event is just not going to be safe to do it quite yet. But I could see them pushing it to like September. I could maybe see them pushing Comic-Con to September or something like that. And maybe then it becomes a little bit more realistic. But I don't know, Rob, this is a big question. So what do you think about the chances that we actually see Comic-Con this year? Well, look, like you, I mean, I've been going to Comic-Con since 1988. And last year, 2020, was the first year that I missed because there wasn't one. And like you, uh, I've always looked at Comic-Con as kind of like an anchor point. It's kind of this mid-year pick-me-up, no matter yes. what's going on. No matter, Yeah, no matter what's going on in your year, it's either in July or August. Before it was in August, now it's been in July. You know, it, it, it is like you said. It's like, it's like chicken soup for the soul, Comic-Con. And even if you're not in Hall H... What you're doing is you're seeing people you haven't seen. It's it's everybody is happy. Uh, there's there's fellowship amongst all of us. I'll call us imagination connoisseurs. We're all there for the same reason. We're all there to have our imaginations filled with the possibilities of what we're going to get in the next couple of years. And for me, and you can drink a lot, which is a bonus. <laughs> but the 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 friendship, the fellowship, the happiness, the smiles. Uh, it really is something that I look very forward to, even as a middle-aged man-child with one foot in the grave. It's always something that I look look very forward to. And and if nothing else, to see people you don't get to see very much. 
You know, I miss uh, Jeremy Johns. Uh, you know, we used to see him at the Collider offices. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Jeremy Johns lately, but his hair looks beautiful. He's growing a, a <laughs> mullet. Very, very, it, very different epic. hair. It's epic. But, you know, that guy, whenever I see that guy in person, he puts a smile on my face. He's always got a grin. He's always got something fun to say. And Comic-Con is a time when you get to see people you don't normally get to see. And there is no downside unless you're waiting to get into Hall H to see, like, the next Twilight movie cast. But that's not something I do. But other than that, it, it's I, I hope it happens. But, again, the problem with Comic-Con is you have a lot of people that are the most susceptible to health issues. And you have kids. You have parents. You have grandparents. You have all kinds of people. And there is no way to stay socially distanced at Comic-Con. There, it, it's, it is a super spreader event waiting to happen. It's it's going to be challenging. There's no doubt about that. By the way, special shout out to Kung Fu Hot Dog who sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you so much, Kung Fu Hot Dog. I appreciate that. Guys, I again, I think a lot of things can be open. Maybe things continue to go the right way. I don't know. It's just a, Comic-Con is a challenging thing, even on the tail end of a pandemic. <laughs> Question is, guys, what do you think is going to happen here? Do you think they're going to be able to find a way to do Comic-Con either in July, maybe delay it by a couple of months? I don't know. Or do you think like last year, they're just going to have to bite the bullet and say, you know what? We just got to go digital again this year. What do you guys think? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's get on a main topic number four. And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by... Uh, me day who writes, Hey, John and co reports are saying that it's looking like Sony, not Marvel, uh, is eyeing Keanu Reeves for their Craven, the Hunter spinoff from Spider-Man. I love Keanu, but to me, Craven just doesn't seem to fit his rep uh, repertoire. Of course, we don't know what the script will look like, but I would rather see him play a Ghost Rider or Silver Surfer-esque character. Although Sony's movies are separate from the MCU as of now, there is always that slight chance that they end up intertwining deeply. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yes, I mean, look, we're, we've got, of course, the situation still where Sony has their Spider-Verse, Marvel has the MCU, they're hinting at some intermingling, how much and to which degree and how permanently that is actually going to happen. Like, what does it actually mean to have Michael Keaton in a Morbius trailer and all? I mean, there's a lot of questions in the air. But for now, Sony still makes their Spider-Verse movies, which include Venom and Morbius and Craven the Hunter and, you know, Silver Sable is coming and Madam Web at some point, apparently. And Marvel has Marvel and maybe they're going to start intermingling them. A rumor started going around. Now, this is the type of thing I normally won't talk about because there's absolutely no validation to this. There's nothing supporting this and nothing backing it up right now. But I'll tell you why I am bringing it up in just a second. A rumor started going around that Sony has offered Keanu Reeves the role of Craven the Hunter. In general, I, I like the idea... I like the idea of, of Keanu Reeves playing Craven the Hunter because, you know, just because I think Keanu Reeves is a very gifted actor, a very talented actor. And so if they think the Craven the Hunter that they're going to put on screen is a good match for Keanu Reeves, great. I'll leave that up to them to decide if the actor and the character are a good fit. All I worry about is, is it a good actor? And, you know, some people can say I can see him more as a ghost rider or as a silver surfer. But, I mean, the reality is 
for all we know, maybe once we read those scripts, we'll go, oh, no, Keanu Reeves would not fit these characters at all. The way these scripts are written wouldn't fit at all. So I just concern myself with whether or not it's a good actor, and I'll leave it up to the studio and the directors and the filmmakers to decide if they think there's a fit. Look, I don't know that I buy into the validity of this. The reason I bring it up is because I did have a phone call yesterday with somebody who did not tell me it was legit, but simply said to me, there's a possibility this could be legit. So I thought, okay, let's at least address this now. Now, it is interesting to point out that, you know, we 95 out of every 100 of these types of rumors that get started end up not being true. Let's be clear about that. And this could very well be one of those 95 out of 100 that end up probably not being true. But I got, like I said, I got secondary modest backup to it saying who's somebody in a position telling me there could be some validity to this. So that's why we're talking about it right now. But take everything we talk about here with a giant grain of salt, that there is still a very high probability that this is not true. And a rumor starting saying, it's a very convenient rumor starting saying, oh, Sony has offered the role to Keanu Reeves, but no news if he's accepted it yet or not. The reason that is a very convenient rumor to start is because if it turns out not being true, you have your built-in excuse. Oh, well, we said we didn't know if he accepted it or not. He must have not accepted it. Yeah. But but whatever. Again, I I am hearing that there could be some validity to this. So that's why we're talking about it. So take everything here as a big theoretical discussion, okay? Let's take all of this as a big theoretical discussion. Theoretically, I like the addition. I would like the addition of Keanu Reeves. One, because we've come to know him in an action kind of, right now he's in that place in his career where he's getting in all the action type of stuff he can do. I think he's a very good performer. When he turns on the badassness, and I'm not just talking about the action itself, but in John Wick, when he decides his demeanor becomes you should be very afraid of me sort of demeanor. He's terrifying. He can really look terrifying. And I think about that being translated into a Craven the Hunter. Does he have the physique of a Craven the Hunter? No, but I mean, give him a year with the right horse steroids and the right Hollywood trainers. Hell, get Chris, get Chris Hemsworth, pay Chris Hemsworth a million dollars to come and work out with, with, uh, with, uh, with Reeves for a bit. And maybe they could do something there. That's possible too, but I would be down for this, Rob. I, I would be down for this. It does a couple of things. It adds another marquee name to Sony's lineup. I mean, it was a bit of a coup, Rob, when they were doing uh, Venom and they got Tom Holland. That was a bit of a coup. Then when they had Morbius coming and they had Academy Award winner Jared Leto, that was a bit of a coup. If they could now say we've got Craven coming and we've got Keanu Reeves in the role, that's a bit of a coup. That that has a lot of, you know, I don't like using the word gravitas because I think it's overused, but it does. It adds a bit more gravitas to the whole thing, and I would theoretically like it. Again, I have no idea if this is actually legit. It's probably a 95% chance that it's not, but if it does end up being true and real, then uh, I think it would be rather impressive. Rob, you heard about this. Number one, what do you think the chances are this is real? And number two, just theoretically, what would you think of the addition of Keanu Reeves as Craven the Hunter to this universe? Well, I mean, this is a story I've wanted to see for a long time. I'm a huge, I loved Craven's Last Hunt. I mean, I love that story. And I think, look, Keanu Reeves has been playing a badass. He's, he's the one. He's John Wick. He's, you know, 
he's the better half of Bill and Ted, maybe. Uh, I, and he's got a six-scale Bill and Ted action figure set coming out. So he's done it all. But what he hasn't done is played an epic villain. I mean, I mean, when I say epic villain, I mean a truly epic villain. And I think that, uh, you, you know, Marvel's really good at their casting. And I think plucking Keanu Reeves out of his good boy status as John Wick and turning him into a very, and he's coming back as Neo, as a very, very bad boy is a smart move. And who doesn't want to turn out to see that? I mean, people are going to come just to see Keanu Reeves be a badass and try and kill Spider-Man or whatever the hell they're going to do. But um, I, I think it sounds good. So I, I think that why not? I like Fox Mulder, John, I want to believe. I want to believe. <laughs> um, but um, I, again, this is such a monumentally huge announcement that if it was real right now, I think that, uh, you know, you'd have Paul R Revere riding through the streets yelling, Keanu Reeves is coming. Keanu Reeves is coming. And we would know it would be on deadline. It would be everywhere. But I, I, I think it's probably, you know, pretty good. I, 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 my fingers are crossed. I think it could be real. Well, guys, we will find out, but let's put aside the question for a moment on if it's real, because that, of course, is questionable. But let's say in theoretical terms, what would you guys think of a Keanu Reeves taking on the mantle of Craven the Hunter, joining Tom Hardy as Venom, joining Jared Leto as Morbius, and now Keanu Reeves as Craven? Dude. I think that creates a rather interesting lineup, don't you think? Dude, I'm, I, 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 and what if they all team up? Well, <laughs> you put them all in one. Can you, Tom Hardy... I mean Bruh, Jared Leto, Keanu Reeves. I mean, all against Spider-Man. I'm I, that that blows my mind. It's the Legion of Doom of the Spider-Verse over at Sony. It, uh, it it could be pretty good. Question is, guys, what do you think about all that? Jump down into the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With all that down and out of the way, let's now move on and start taking your live comments and questions. Now, of course, if you want to get in a live comment or question to be read on this show or in a, a coming up companion video, simply go ahead and use the tip link that's in the description of this video, or you can enter it in manually at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show and you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And all of us involved here at the John Campus Show, thank you guys very, very much for that support. All right, let's get into it here, shall we? We're going to start things off with Wakandan Forever, who writes, The original Coming to America is one of my all-time favorite comedies. I saw the newest trailer for part two. I I did not like the first trailer, but I've really liked the last two. If they combine Black Panther with Lion King, this uh, is what it would be. I was dying. Eddie needs to stop too much. Uh, watching the second, it's released. Yeah, I got to tell you, Rob, we talked about this. I was not impressed with the first trailer at all because i've been looking forward to this but the last two trailers the, the second trailer and then the super bowl spot totally on board with this thing i can't wait to see it uh Jikanos writes the emmys and the golden globes continue to ignore the consistently spectacular performances by Rhea seahorn who was also really good in veep by the way she, she was she had a she had a recurring spot in veep i thought she was really good in that anyway um in better call saul I get that Shit's Creek is one of your favorite shows, but I don't get the hype. Uh, Rhea runs circles around Annie Murphy. Well, that's a matter of opinion, Jacanos, because I don't agree. Like, I, I think Rhea Seahorn. Now, granted, I've only seen the first three seasons. I haven't seen the last couple of Better Call Saul, but um, she's very good in it. Make no mistake, she's very good. But I think there's a genre bias 
with a lot of people that we we fail to recognize just how difficult and tricky it is to play comedic roles and really give them heart. And what um, uh, what she did, what Annie Murphy did in Schitt's Creek was so moving and had so much heart and was beautifully hilarious and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to disagree with you with that. But you know what? If I'm not mistaken, Rob, I don't even think Rhea Seahorn has even gotten an Emmy nomination for in Better Call Saul. And that to me is is a little bit weird. So I'll agree with you on that, Chicanos. All right, GQ writes, WandaVision episode five is the official introduction of the X-Men into the MCU. What do you think? No, it is absolutely not. It is not. Not yet. Not yet. Because again, I don't think for a second that that Pietro is the actual of Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men. I think he's an imposter. I think there's something else going on here. But listen, that doesn't mean they can't officially bring them in in a couple episodes. But as of right now, that is not the case. All right, Regan Crisp writes, uh, who's the popsicle? I love that line. Pietro and Vision did meet in Ultron. So while this line does not prove that this X-Men Quicksilver, it does prove that he is not the same Quicksilver from Ultron, unless there is a third option for Lord Kevin to melt my mind with. Rob, I don't agree with that. And here's why. It, it doesn't prove he's not because remember, they're living in a sitcom fantasy bubble. Right. Like, I mean, just because he shows up and his character is not supposed to know who Vision is, I mean, that doesn't prove he's not Quicksilver. That doesn't prove that at all because it could really mean anything. I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I, I don't think it proves anything either. You know, I, I don't. And, uh, you know, it's just a, I think we have to take a wait and see attitude about that. All right, uh, let's move on here. Next up is uh, Arjen A, who writes one of two. Over under 20% that WandaVision ends with Vision somehow defeating the other unknown antagonist. This causes Vision, along with their kids, to die because uh, one of the people powering the illusion is defeated. The show ends with Wanda to lose her brother, lover, and children. It's going to be messy. The final episode ends with Wanda killing all the citizens in Westview. Ooh, that would be dark. In a fit of rage, uh, settling her up to be the primary antagonist of Doctor Strange 2. Thoughts? And thank you for all the entertainment. Rob, look, you and I have both been saying, as I have a lot of you guys at home, this ain't going to end well. This ain't going to end well. And when you see, now again, I'm always telling people, Rob, that just because something happens in the comic book, don't think for a second that means that's what's going to happen in the movies. Not at all. That being said, there are clearly House of M, uh, Avengers Disassembled, There's clearly influence of that in this show already, right? And we know what the twins represent in House of M uh, ain't real. Uh, We know. Well, well, I I mean, you know what I mean, though. In that reality, they're real, but it's but it it creates it's a fake altered state reality that Wanda creates. And, you know, it, it ends with Quicksilver dead. It ends with, and ultimately, it kind of ends, that leads into the 198 of the words that everybody's been talking lately. No more mutants. Well, she ain't going to say no more mutants. What if this thing ends with no more heroes? No more children. No more sword. Dude, you're no going more. dark. You're going I, I dark. mean, I, I just listen. I'm just saying 
again, it won't be like it, but if they if they follow thematically, this could end very, very dark, very, very fast. Killing all the... But I do believe it ends with her completely breaking. So I don't know, Rob, where's your thoughts on this right now? As we are now 61 hours away from the debut of WandaVision Episode 6. Oh, I, I think you're right. I, I, I think this, this is not going to end. It'll end in tears, John. It's going to end in tears. I don't know how many people's tears, but a lot of tears are going to flow. And, you know, what, what's really interesting is if her kids are taken, if Vision is taken, she's deluding herself. All of this is her vast delusion. And if it is, in, tr- in, in fact, being caused by a, a third party, which I believe it is, but we don't know quite yet who or why or what's going on, it, 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 she's also being manipulated. And when all of these things come to the fore – she's going to have a massive psychotic break and she's going to do something. It's going to, I think it's going to be like maybe not snapping the finger like Thanos, but it's going to be some major, I mean, this is, this is going to end on a massive cliffhanger that remember they're leading into two movies, not just one, but two movies. And, and I can't wait to see what the post credit sequence is going to be on that last episode because I'm sure it's going to be epic after there's something epic is going to happen and I, they're going to have that please stand. Uh, you know what? Maybe they won't have the please stand by signal. You know, at the end of every episode, they've yep. it says please stand by. Maybe they'll change that. You know, and it won't say please stand by. It'll just go be or I don't know what. Or to be continued or something like something that. Something like that. It's going to whatever it is. And it's going to be epic. And I think our jaws are going to be on the floor. And I, I think what you said, you know, this – what I love about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is they always go back to their comic books for cues. They don't do them exactly. But like, you know, Ed Brubaker's run on the Winter Soldier was so good. And with this, I think you're right. It's going to be no more something. She's going to say that. Yeah, no more something. No more something. And we're going to be like, oh. I, 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 I mean, it's going to be like the end of Watchmen when uh, Ozymandias says, I'm not some Republic serial villain, Dan. Do you think I would tell you my master plan if there was any <laughs> hope of you stopping it? I did it 38 minutes ago. And in the comics, that's what he's done. I, I remember reading that comic and it just faded to white. And uh, literally my jaw was on the floor reading a comic. I think the same thing is going to happen with this show. And it's going to be bad. All right, it's and she's in a great mad, way, bad, dangerous to know. Yeah, and she's going to break. And again, taking cues. If you look at how, like, what does she lose in House of M? Dude, I mean, and and the events leading up to House of M, like with the killing of Vision, the killing of Hawkeye. I mean, the 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 twins, the kids. I mean, this is bad stuff is coming it's gonna be amazing but don't right. you love it oh i do like i'm completely enthralled with it it's crazy all right let's move on uh dan vc ralph writes uh one of something uh pietro tells wanda that he is from the multiverse and when she loses everything again she rips open the multiverse to find what she lost that sounds kind of like the uh story of spider-man into the spider-verse that sounds that actually sounds like a direct ripoff of spider-man into the spider-verse because that's ultimately what kingpin was trying to do kingpin was trying to rip open the multiverse to go and get uh what he loved back anyway uh two pietro tells that he is a mutant from multiverse and agreeing with her that what she was doing and what she was doing and likes it uh because he's 
uh, only one who agrees. Some happens. She says no more mutants. The barrier extends across the world, creating mutants. Also, Wanda makes the beekeeper into her children uh, with his rope turning into a jump rope for seeing what would happen to him. And I'm, I'm thinking that's all of it. Okay, so again, I don't think the events of WandaVision are going to create the mutant race. But it is on the table. Like when I say I don't think that's that's going to happen, that's not me saying that I think it's a possibility. I think it's one of the valid options on the table. It is definitely there on the table. One of the things that could happen. I don't think they will. I'll think they'll go with another option. But that is uh, that is a possibility as well. I, and again, I still think that we are going to see, because of when it came up in the show, I still think we're going to see this whole Evan Peters thing is a massive misdirect. And I think we're going to find out he is an imposter on some level or some way. But again, I'm not saying I know that because I don't. It's just a theory that could be completely different after episode six. So we will have to wait and see. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Arjan A writes, this may seem a little like a silly question. No such thing as silly questions. But sometimes when I'm really looking forward to a show or movie, a thought that always seems to cross my mind is the idea that it's all make-believe doesn't matter and I shouldn't care as much as I do. It's quite annoying as it sometimes lessens the enjoyment of the experience. How do you personally deal with the cynical part of yourselves when it comes to video games, TV, uh, and movies in order to enjoy it fully like it deserves to be? Thank you. All right. Here's here's my thought on this, Arjan. And Rob, you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. What pulls me out of a movie that starts to inhibit my ability to enjoy it is never the ridiculousness of it. It's not that, you know, oh, in this fantasy movie, they break this rule of logic or that rule of logic or whatever. That that never right. does it. What does do it to me is when a movie tells us as the audience, here's what logic is in our story. In our story, these are the rules of reality of what is believable yeah. and not believable, and what are the parameters of um, what are the parameters of logic in our world. As long as the movie then sticks to what is logic and believable and not believable in that world that they created, not by my rules of logic and believability, but it's when they break their own rules that I find myself being pulled out of films. And so, yeah, otherwise I find myself completely immersed. Uh, Rob, how would you answer that? Well, you know, I, I think that's a really astute answer because, you know, we're dealing with fantasy, fantasy, science fiction, horror, whatever your jam is. And it's really important that each one of these universes sets up their own rules because if they don't, it's all gobbledygook. None, none of it makes any sense. There's no stakes because you don't believe in it. I mean, even even Harry Potter has rules for magic. And why does somebody need a wand? And how do you play Quidditch? You need these rules to work and to be invested. So you can go, okay, if A and B are true, then C will and C and D will always be true. And if they don't do that, then it's it just becomes a mess. And you're you're as a viewer, you're lost. So I mean, I, I try and judge everything on its own terms. If you're going to if I'm going into a new science fiction franchise or a new horror franchise or a new fantasy franchise, tell me the rules and it can be as crazy and outlandish as you want, but you've got to stick to those rules. And if the show doesn't, I just tune out. You know, I'm like, OK, you're not going to play fair with me, then I'm not going to watch you. And yeah. that's that's but but I do go into everything 
giving the show or the movie or whatever, I give it the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I Again, I, I fox molder it all. I want to believe in you. Convince me. Because I'm an easy lay and I want to love you. I want to love you a long time. So please make yourselves believe. Make, make me believe in you, people. Do it. All right. Let's move on to the next one. This one comes to us from Dave XP who writes, Man, I still remember uh, when you decided to go solo with the John Campus show in a very narrow homeroom. Now the quality of the studio, cameras, graphics has improved so much. And I just want to say that we as the audience really appreciate it. I appreciate that, Dave. Thank you so much. And I know you've been around and one of our viewers for a long time. Yeah, listen, uh, you don't, I often tell people you don't need to make a good show. You don't need to have the best cameras or the best mics or the best uh, stream or the best you know space or the best whatever. You don't need to. What? But for me, um, I know when I make, when I get a better lens or I get a better audio mixer that processes the audio better or when I uh, get better lights to improve the image, I'm not really making the show better. What I'm trying to do is make the experience, it makes it a more pleasant experience for the viewer. And I am constantly trying to figure out ways, what can I do in the show that makes watching my show a better, more pleasant experience, an enjoyable experience for those people who honor me by taking time out of their day to watch one of my videos. And... Obviously, I start with with uh, preparation. I start with how much energy and time I put into the shows. But then also, yeah, there's the other things like the space, the lighting, the visuals, the audio, all that kind of stuff that tr try to make a better experience for people who watch at home. And uh, I will always continue to do that. I will always look for more ways to make watching this show an even more pleasant experience. So I will try my best. And um, and thank you so much for saying that, Dave. I really, really appreciate it, man. It means a lot uh, that you would say that. So thank you so much. All right. Uh, next up. Um, next up. The Good Life writes, one of two. Hey, John. First time tipping here, but been watching your channel for a few years now. Thank you so much, Good Life, for being around for a few years. Uh, first, congrats on the new home. Thank you very much. Ann and I are liking it very much. I have also bought my first house, and it's a great feeling. I have also just bought your uh, your movie and have to say it's beautiful. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that's charming. Cool. A beautiful, charming movie that had me at times just smiling with happiness. So thank you and everyone who was involved in making the movie. Uh, in the end, there can there can be only one. Uh, John Campia sending you. That's a great little Highlander reference, by the way. Um, sending you and Anne happiness and positive energy your way from Scotland. Well, thank you so much for that good life. I really appreciate that. And dude, seriously, listen, thank you so much for checking out my movie. Uh, movie trailers, a love story. Once again, guys, if you live in the US or the UK, it's available now. It's a documentary about movie trailers. We put a lot of heart and soul into this thing. And uh, thank you to all of you guys who uh, right now, Rob, it's, it's holding a five-star rating on Amazon. Movie really? Trailers Love, yeah. Movie Trailers Love Store right now has a five-star rating on Amazon. Thank you guys so much for your support and for uh, watching the movie and all that kind of stuff. And thanks for being with us. Good life. I really appreciate that. All right. Next up, Suthius writes. Hey guys, I can only imagine Feige sitting at home with his hat and red cape on laughing maniacally as he's watching everyone watch WandaVision with everyone getting effed up upon seeing Evan Peters with Feige will never know what's just a gag or not. It's true. I mean, listen, Rob, we can point to a thousand different things that have happened in Marvel movies that we've all said, oh, look at that detail. That means this, this and this. And it never did mean anything. 
It was just there to be there. You know, Kevin right. Feige, it reminds me a lot of this because I, I want to be careful how much I say, but, um, you know, my wife, Anne now works for Apple and she's kind of a big thing over at Apple right now. And it's funny because I watch a lot of tech videos. When I'm at home, I'll sit down on my couch, pop open YouTube on the TV, and I watch a lot of tech videos with tech gear, technology, computers, laptops, phones, cameras, lights, you name it. I watch tech videos. And it's so funny now when I like pop on something about Apple and like some some uh, some video about, you know, oh, when's the next iPhone coming? And I'll be watching this video and they'll be speculating about and then hearing Anne in the kitchen just going, ha, <laughs> Just laughing at what people on the TV are saying. Of course, she doesn't tell me anything, of course, but just hearing her laughing at the videos. I imagine that's exactly like Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige is sitting at home <laughs> watching like the John Campia show or something else and hearing Campia say, yeah, we I, wish. I we got wish. this theory that this, this or this. And like Kevin Feige, like us or anybody else, saying our theories and Kevin Feige is just sitting at home going, ha, 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 ha. Listen to these people who think they know something. It is... It is pretty funny to think, but Rob, I, I personally have no doubt that guys like Kevin Feige probably sit back and love listening to all these theories and everything that are like, he knows are like so completely wrong. He probably gets a kick out of it. Would, like, wouldn't you think he does that? Well, I, I think not only does he get a kick out of it, but he's thinking about how much free publicity the internet gives everything he makes. Like, like they, you know, on one hand, he's probably looking at a spreadsheet from the Disney marketing department. Yeah, we're going to spend... <laughs> We're going to spend fifty million dollars on the or hundred million dollars on the uh, the uh, ad ad revenue or the the ad spend for um, uh, for Wandavision, but then he also looks at the analytics on how many impressions Wandavision got on YouTube in the last two hours, and it's probably like one hundred million impressions, and he's laughing and laughing and laughing because these are self marketing shows, which just feeds into his genius. He probably walks into the – I would imagine he walks into marketing meetings with his own analytics. Like all the Disney marketing people are like, look what we've done for your show. And he's like, no, no, really, I just did it for myself. Have you looked at today's YouTube? Uh, uh, there's 100 million people around the planet talking every five seconds about my show. Thank you very much. And so it's got to be a good feeling to be him because you know people talk about – strife and the pandemic and all kinds of political upheaval. But I'll bet you around the world more people right now are talking about WandaVision. <laughs> yep. It's it's always good to be king, man. It's always good to be uh, king. It really is. All right. Really next is. up, Wesley Cunningham writes, the way Wanda just tries to gaslight and threaten to control him, talking about Vision, of course, even cut him off with the credits. But Vision just yells through it. He has a family. They don't know where he is. Uh, more than what she's doing, he's most distraught. She doesn't see how what she's doing is wrong. This is getting messed up and I love it. Rob, somebody else brought up to me that at that end scene as he's like which i thought was brilliantly performed by paul bettany um so when good. he's he's yelling all that at her and somebody said man you, you know how powerful wanda is when vision the 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 synthesoid made out of vibranium says he's scared of her and i said no 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 no. vision isn't scared of wanda he's scared of what's happening when he says i don't even remember my life i don't know who i am I don't, I don't remember anything before Westview. That's because he's not really Vision. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember anything before Westview, and you don't see what you're doing is wrong. And it's all of that that it says, that scares me. 
Mm. Like nothing scares vision, but all of that combined is what scares me. And that's what I love about this show and what Marvel does. They always put the narrative in there. Everything's pushed by not what would be really badass right now. It's what is really narratively compelling right here. And that to me is what was narratively compelling. What do you think about that? Uh, dude, I completely agree. I mean, think about it. The closest we've come to a fight scene is is Vision and and Scarlet Witch or Wanda levitating in their living room. Yep. <laughs> squaring off. I mean, we're we're going to be six episodes into this show, and there's been not one punch thrown. And and I think uh, for a superhero show, and again, I think uh, what Kevin Feige, being we know he's a huge Star Trek fan, I mean, the compelling drama. Most of this show has been taking place in essentially two rooms. Or you've, you you're in Wanda and Vision's house. Maybe you go to his office, and you've been a, there's been a couple of scenes outside, and then we're in the sword. Uh, mobile lab or mobile headquarters that they've set up. Uh, it's a brilliant way of of making a show because this is not, it's a superhero show that is reliant completely on characterization and, and storytelling. And that's amazing. It's not, it, there's been great special effects, don't get me wrong, but like a great Star Trek episode, it's all about character and story. And special effects, while they're there to enhance what's happening, the narrative is all about you know, people aren't talking about, oh, my God, the airport scene when they were all fighting was amazing. No one's talking about that. They're all talking about the characters and the story and the performances and for a superhero show. And that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next up, uh, Russell Amador writes, hey, John, uh, so you openly revealed to us to have known Evan Peters would appear in episode five. That leads me to ask this question. What else do you know, John? The floor is yours. Come clean before community. Nope. There, there are there are a couple of granted semi minor things. Not really minor, but semi minor. There are a couple of little semi minor things that I've been made privy to. Uh, but uh, but honestly, they're they're not things that affect the things that I know that are coming. Are not things that affect the theory of who is the other power behind all this besides Wanda. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I honestly don't know. What? Uh, yeah. Um, the the question of is in fact this the Evan Peters Quicksilver from the literally from the Fox X Men movies, which I contend it is not. But honestly, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. The stuff that I do know are to slightly smaller questions, but I will never mention them. <laughs> I will never mention them until they come up later, until they come up later in the show. Like with, with Evan Peters, then we can say, yeah, well, we knew that was happening. But um, there are a couple of things I know. But honestly, the big questions that you hear me theorizing about they're not things connected to that. So I could still be completely wrong about the theories that I have about that, or I could be right. I mean, I don't know. We'll see, but I'll never spoil that stuff to our audience. Never will I spoil that stuff to our audience. All right, next up. Um, let's see. Avery, uh, Avery uh, Zavala writes, somebody probably already mentioned this, but I've only seen Paul Bettany in the MCU. Oh, that's a shame because I'll tell you right now, his best is not in the MCU. His best work is not in the MCU. Although Master his, and Commander. Oh, dude, Beautiful Mind. Oh. Beautiful Mind. How great. Like, I'm not saying it's the best movie in the world, but honestly, seriously, how great was he in A Knight's Tale? He's the, I think he's the best part of A Knight's Tale. Margin Call. How good it is. Not a bad, a massive role, but Margin. I mean, Paul Bettany is a really good actor. Really good. Um, 
That's and what he's he, married to Jennifer Connelly, which makes him winning at life. He wins at life being married to Jennifer Connelly. And also, not to mention, there is a little action film he did. If you want to think of him as an action star, uh, about eight years ago, maybe, he did this little action film that I think was based on a comic story called Priest. Do you remember yep. this, Rob? Yep, yep, yep. Um, it's actually the best post-production 3D. Like, it wasn't shot in 3D, but it did post-3D. It's the best post-3D I had ever seen in a movie. And it was a fun little... Carl Urban was in it, too. I think Carl Urban was the villain, but Paul Bettany was in yeah. this little... But honestly, yeah, master and commander, beautiful mind. I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful actor. So I think Rob and I uh, both highly highly suggest that you guys do go now that you've been introduced to him in the ncu go look up some of his other filmography i think you'll be very very happy that you do uh all right uh let's see next up uh amanda laurie ann writes one of two greetings from sweden home of matt sundin oh, that's why i always you know he was one of my favorite leafs anyway uh and borea salming one of the all-time maybe the greatest you know toronto maple leaf uh defenseman of all time anyway greetings from sweden we know from episode four, sword use used used to to creation of weapons. Uh, what if they were experimenting on Vision's parts to create sentient super weapons? Uh, Wanda broke him free as they were violating his legacy. Afterwards, she gives him a proper burial and overcome by grief. Her subconscious creates the hex at the spot she buried him, which is why she could still morph his parts into Vision and the hex. By the way, the director's picture on his wall is a hexagon shape. Yeah, we've talked about that before uh, as well. But yeah, listen, that is a theory that has been come that has come up more and more, Rob, is the idea that remember when Monica in episode four goes back to Sword and her and the director are walking through Sword and he points out we're focusing a lot more on AI. What is it, AI and robotics now? Yeah. I mean, I don't believe there's any way to disconnect that statement that we're now moving more into AI and robotics with the fact that Sword has been in possession of the vision parts and has been experimenting and researching and studying the vision scrap that was laying around. There's no way to disconnect that. That means something. Now, what exactly it means, I'm not sure. Some people are speculating this is going to be to them trying to uh, relaunch the Ultron project, try to bring Ultron back. It's like, you see how powerful Ultron was. Imagine if he was back, but we were in control of him. Yeah, that's oh, that always works out well in movies uh, when they try to do stuff like that. <laughs> but there's clearly more to it than we've that's been revealed to us by now. Rob, what do you think about that connection there? Oh, I definitely think something. There's shenanigans happening there, John. Shenanigans. I, I I don't know what kind of shenanigans. You know, who's to say that they they don't also have Ultron or or all of Ultron's little minions that Tony Stark was responsible for. I, I think there's a lot more going on there. And remember, you know, when Monica came back to Sword, Sword had been around during the blip for five years. Yeah. I mean, they've been around since post Captain Marvel. So they they have just been quietly in the background. And I think what's really interesting is like we didn't see Sword during the Chitari attack on New York back in two thousand I guess it's two thousand twelve in the Avengers universe, maybe two thousand fifteen or something, but they were there. So they've been quietly behind the scenes during in the MCU the whole time, and I'm sure there's a lot going on there that we are 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 we don't know about. But you know, you know the the, the directors of these companies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether it's 
shield or whatever, they always turn out to be evil. And I'm like, <laughs> what if he's not? What if for the first time he's a capable guy and he's revealed to not be evil? Well, I mean, uh, Nick Fury wasn't evil, but right. But I mean, the rest of Shield was, and and you know, the Hail Hydra and all that. And and uh, but it would be inter- it'll be interesting to see where it all goes. But yeah, you can't deny that hexagon hexagonal shape is everywhere. And whenever somebody has a hexagon in that show, don't trust them, don't believe them. Like but Kirk r- said about the Klingons in Star Trek Six. Here's something I brought up in my companion video the other day. The thing about the director of Sword. Now, look, I am not saying that he may not be maybe the guy behind all of this. I'm not saying he may not be connected with what's actually going on here. I'm not saying that. But I do want to point out that while he has been acting like a dick, (laughs) everything he has said has been factually true. Like when they're doing that big debrief. And they're going through the history of Wanda. She was radical. She, you know, suffered the losses of all this. She was radicalized by Hydra. Her first appearance was fighting against the Avengers, the events in Lagos and Germany and all that kind of stuff. And what's going on now in the town, all this stuff that he laid out while being presented in a certain way. And from a certain point of view, that was kind of acting like a dick. The reality is everything he said was true. Everything he said was true. And then you have to stop. Okay. Would a non-evil guy say the, is it rational to believe a non-evil guy would be presenting all this information? Yeah. I mean, he could, we've seen lots of characters that are good guys, but they're dicks. And that could be the case here. So I, I just, uh, I don't know about the sword director right now. I think, I think you're onto something to say, wouldn't it be like, this could be a bit of a misdirect itself. You always think that the guy in charge that we don't know, he must be evil. And maybe he is, maybe he is, but he hasn't done anything evil yet. He hasn't done anything that would be considered completely irrational yet. So I don't know, Rob, if you had to put $1 on it right now, do you think the, uh, what, what's, what's the, what is it? Henderson or what's, what's his name? I can't, I keep forgetting the director's name, but yeah, I, what do you think? Is he more tied into this as a villain or do you think he, he just is, he's just the director of sword. What do you think on that right now? I think he's just the director of sword. I, I mean, I'd like to believe because if he is, if he does turn out to be the villain, then it becomes a Marvel cliche. And I don't, I don't like that. I, I would like him to be capable. And I, I, I liked when he first greeted Monica when she came back that they had a warm relationship and, you know, there, and I like the fact, like you pointed out, he's been honest. He's not, he's not some mustache twirling villain. And I, 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 I think sword, I would like to believe that sword is a capable, uh, organization that's not infiltrated by evil because again, I, I want to believe John. I want to believe that one, at least one of the the groups that we meet in the Mar- one of the people that has jurisdiction over something is good at their jobs. You know that they're they're capable. That not every institution is corrupt and evil. All right, let's move on here. Static Space Sean writes: When Wanda opens the door, she is shocked implying she knows who he is. Oh, I I didn't get that feeling at all. Um, He says the brother thing and she questions it as if she's supposed to call him Pietro. Then he gives her a nod and says, just go with it. Uh, I think she knows him, but as Mephisto. See, that's been a common, that's been a common theory amongst a lot of people that the Pietro we saw is actually Mephisto. 
And and again, Rob, I was like saying before, that's a valid theory on the table. It is. I, I don't think it's irrational to think that. I think that is a valid, valid theory that's on the table. I still don't, even though I don't think that's actually the Quicksilver from the X-Men movies, I still don't think it's Mephisto. Because again, the big question I've had, Rob, is this. If it's Mephisto, why not just appear to her as the brother she knows? What would Mephisto's motivation be yeah okay to appear as her brother but not as the brother she wrote to recognize you know what i mean so i well, I'll, what do you well, think i was gonna say that well the the evan peters uh quicksilver is from a different universe why would anyone know who he is like like the idea that if if even mephisto maybe if mephisto can traverse universes he's from a different reality entirely so the ramifications of him showing up, why would anyone even make that connection? Because in that reality, he doesn't even have a sister. So it, it, according to what we've seen in the X-Men films so far. So the idea that somebody could pluck him across universes or even know who he is. to Sorry, a sorry. Let, let me just clarify that. Are you saying that Evan Peters's Quicksilver from the X-Men universe doesn't have a sister? Is that what you're saying? No, he has a sister. Yeah, I was going to say, he does have a sister but, over but there, right. But his sister is not necessarily Wanda. Right. You know, that was never established, and it was insinuated Magneto is his father, but it was not ever uh, It was not ever implied that there is the Scarlet Witch or Wanda is, in fact, his actual sister. So the idea that anybody from the Marvel Cinematic Universe would even know who he is uh, however, because they've established that there is a multiverse, we saw it in Endgame, whether you're going through the quantum realm, there is a multiverse. And if someone can traverse that multiverse, they would go and they're able to pluck out that Quicksilver because that may be in the multiverse. He's the only other Quicksilver there is and bring him into our universe. So somebody has, uh, in my mind, what I think is going on, somebody has access to the multiverse some villain and made it possible and plucked him out. But even Evan Peters, when he shows up, he's like, Hey sis, you know? And, and so there's, there's so much weirdness on many different levels going. Uh, and I want to believe that he actually is the Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men universe, because that would be way cooler than if somebody is just impersonating him. I think it'd be much cooler if it's really – and remember, it's the Evan Peters. It's the Quicksilver from the 1980s. It's not the Quicksilver. It's not Evan Peters if he was in 2023, which is when the when WandaVision is set because that, that, that character would be 40 years older. So it's much cooler that he's actually the multiverse Peter from the early 80s that we saw in X-Men days of – or in uh, X-Men, I guess it would be – yeah, it would be Days of Future Past, right? Right. Because so you, had, I, you had no Days of Future Past was the seventies, Apocalypse was the eighties. So it's got to be the Evan Peters from Apocalypse, that right. era. Right. So and again, I still don't think it is. You think it is? I think you know what? And I think it's not going to be Episode Nine. I think we're going to find out soon. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna find out actually soon about the real nature of uh, Pietro here and where, whether I think he's the next episode, dude. I think I, episode. Six. I actually think there's a like. I think there's a very good. I would give it a ninety percent chance that's either in episode six or seven. I don't think we're gonna. They're gonna make us wait till eight or nine, so we'll find out. All right, let's move on here. Next up, 
Uh, Ryan Loner writes, one of two. I'm calling that it that really is Quicksilver on WandaVision just because I'd like to think that level of mean-spirited screwing around. Oh, it wouldn't be mean-spirited screwing around. That level of mean-spirited screwing around with the audience would be beneath them. Just imagine if the Mandalorian finale had the same buildup with the X-Wing, the green lightsaber, the robot hand, and then the hood comes up and just some random new guy. That's about the same level as WandaVision saying, nah, just kidding, he's not really Quicksilver. I completely disagree with you, Ryan, 1,000% for several reasons. Main reason number one, don't compare Evan Peters, who most people on the planet don't know who he is. Don't compare Evan Peters as maybe Quicksilver, from a couple of X-Men movies that not everybody has seen showing up on a Disney plus television show in, in WandaVision is anywhere near the same level as a three generation old celebrated pop cultural iconic character like Luke Skywalker showing up in the younger version of himself in a Disney Plus show at the finale of, in the finale, by the way, in one of the last moments of the final episode of The Mandalorian. Don't compare those two. These, they are not on the same level. That is not the same thing remotely. Uh, the same thing. So I would say that to you, brother. I would I would say that you can't compare those two different situations. Also, you know, misdirection comic book movies and sci-fi is not mean-spirited. It's not mean-spirited. This is the story. This is them telling a story, and there's going to be twists and turns and ups and downs. And listen, it very well could be that this is the Evan Peters Quicksilver literally snapped out of and plucked. I shouldn't say snapped. <laughs> literally plucked out of the X-Men universe from Fox and brought in. It could be. It could be. I don't think it is, but it could be. But if it's not, that's not a mean. That's just a standard narrative thing. And Kevin Feige, Rob, Kevin Feige throws these curveballs and he's not afraid to go there and he's not afraid to do those things. But again, I, I just think you can't compare that situation with the Luke Skywalker run because that's not, I don't believe that's comparable even remotely. Rob, let me ask you this question. You know, Ryan brings up that it would be mean of Kevin Feige to tease that it could be one thing and then say it's something else with the Evan Peters Quicksilver. If it does, sir, you believe it is the Fox X-Men Quicksilver. As somebody who believes that it is the Fox X-Men Quicksilver, if Kevin Feige does pull a U-turn and shows that that was a misdirect, is that cruel of Kevin Feige to his eyes? I don't know. How, how do you look at that or how do you interpret that? It really depends, again, how it's done, like how it's approached. I think it's just cooler and it makes it, it makes the story more compelling if he is, in fact, because, look, they're leading up to things. We know there's some kind of rift in the in the fabric of reality. And if our villains are somehow able to manipulate the quantum realm or reality, the multiverse, however, to go back and, and, and they know enough to go back and get Evan Peters, that means the threat that we're facing is truly dire. Um, and it, I think it matters more. It, it, it becomes more meaningful. Um, and, and if it's just if somebody's impersonating him to me from a storytelling standpoint, that's problematic because why would you impersonate somebody that Wanda Maximoff doesn't even know? Like, how is she? Supposed well, that's my whole like Mephisto problem. That's my whole problem with that. Maybe being Mephisto, it would obviously have to be an explanation that they haven't introduced yet. But that's it, why right, I don't but, think it can be Mephisto. 
but yeah, that's I I think that 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 that's why I, I kind of agree with with uh, our viewer with Ryan because it's I just think it's better if it really is him. I don't think it's a Luke Skywalker. But that's kind of- not the question. The question is if Kevin Feige then says it's not him, is that somehow him being? hateful or cruel or mean to the audience if they say Uh, this is actually a story device and it's something else well i think i think look there's there's ramifications in the larger mcu already j jonah jameson being the 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 most obvious one because spider-man far from home takes place about seven and a half months after wandavision right so in the continuity i think what they're doing here is they're setting up evan peter's appearance is setting up the multiverse the multiverse of madness. Him showing up is such a cool throwing you for a loop. I, I think if it wasn't him, I think, yeah, I think Kevin Feige would diminish. If, if it turns out to be a ruse, I think it diminishes the appearance. The fact that it's really him is rad. It's awesome from a storytelling standpoint. And what they're doing, what they're it's so meta. I mean, the fact that we're watching a TV show about TV shows that's Marvel's first TV show. There's something so delightful and strange and meta about the whole thing. And adding Evan Peters to that mix is just even better. And if you make it not him, I don't think it's not only is it, I wouldn't call it cruel because it's just, it's just a show after all, but I think it's not, it would make the story not as interesting ultimately. Uh, see, and I don't think they, I don't, I don't agree. think they do that. I don't think they I don't think I don't think he's going to do that. I because think he's really done it is. before already. Don't forget he's done, Kevin Feige has done this exact same thing before already in the MCU. Whether well, with, it's with, with Ben Kingsley and with and, Ben uh, Kingsley is one example as as the Mandarin, right? They set that up and then did a big U-turn with Mysterio. Now granted people who are well versed in the comics knew what was coming on, but for the average person like my mom watching an MCU movie, you know, Mysterio comes in. He's a hero from another dimension who's here to help. Spy- Turns out none of that was true. It was all but a total misdirect. Different. It is different, but there are similarities. There are similarities. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I agree because it is different. It's too cool to diminish what it is. The fact I don't that know. They I think you can do something this? even cooler. I don't know. But listen, listen again. Let me be very. Let me be. Let's both be very, very straight here. You, you never know, know. You know. You look at that know figure. What's going to happen on this show? You know very well. It is absolutely on the table that Kevin Feige is setting up a misdirect. You know that it is. I know very well that him actually being the re- the real Quicksilver from the Fox universe is on the table. These these yeah. are all these are all things to, we're totally open. We know that completely and I'm not going to fall out of my chair in shock and surprise whichever way this goes. All I know is how great is it that here we are, all of us, you guys sitting at home, me and Rob here, we are so passionately involved in this and we are so invested in this show. That's what this show has done. It has gotten us so invested and so involved. Here we are debating about, is this the real fake Quicksilver from a fake Fox X-Men universe or is it the real fake Quicksilver from the fake? I mean, listen to us. I'm aware of how ridiculous we sound. I'm totally aware of it. I mean, it's like what you said on the show the uh, the other day. We're we're debating about a purple man with his infinity stones and what it all means. I mean, it, it's it, and look, that's what I, if if there's any, we're coming off a horrible 2020. But if there's oh. any proof that this doesn't bring us all joy, you know, as I said, a, a, a middle aged geek that I am with one foot in the grave and 
The fact that I can get as excited and this invested in some made-up gobbledygook from a comic book studio, blah, 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 it shows what a great world we live in now. Despite all the craziness and all the depressing news or whatever, the fact that WandaVision comes along and it's fueled us now for weeks. We've been talking about this for weeks. And we've got and weeks more to go. Weeks more to go. <laughs> and I'm like, don't we live in a wonderful world? I mean, when you think things are going to get you down, just think about the fact that there's a show called WandaVision about a dead robot and a sorceress <laughs> living in a sitcom. <laughs> so, dude. And I we are love. investing days of our life discussing it and talking about it. I love being it. an imagination connoisseur in this day and age. You know what? As a young geek, I never, ever, ever would have dreamed that I would be a grown man talking about this stuff on the internet now. So kudos to you, Kevin Feige and <laughs> Louis Desposito and Victoria Alonso and all the mad people over at Marvel. Alan Horn and the this. rest of them. They did it. <laughs> They did it. I can't wait to see what they do to us with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, too. All right, Rob, listen, we have kept you over time, I know, uh, but uh, thank you for being here again, bringing your glory and goodness, and you'll be back again tomorrow. But you're also going to be doing a companion video later today. I know. So, uh, I, I'm going to be talking about this for another two For and even hour. more. So we've got we've got another companion video coming later today because we're, we're a little bit behind on getting caught up in everything, but we will be all caught up by the end of today. So, Rob, thanks a lot for being here. But in the meantime, where can people follow you and all of your good stuff online? Well, you can follow me in front of a TV waiting for the next episode of WandaVision to drop. 60 but hours now, that, by the way. 60 hours. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, you can find me on Twitter at BurnettRM. Follow me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett, or come over to my own YouTube page, The Burnett Work, and follow me on my show, Rob's Observations. All right, we'll dude. We'll talk I, about one <laughs> I will. Uh, I will talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Have a good one. All right, I'll see you later. Okay, everybody, that is the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Listen, guys, we still have uh, a bunch of time here, so let's get up now. I, like I said, by the end of today, between our remaining time here and the companion video coming a little bit later, we will be all caught up on all the questions you guys have sent in. Okay. So if you don't see your question answered by the end of today's show, just hang in there. We're going to have everything answered by the end of today, but uh, Hey, we do have some more time right now. So let's keep on rolling and get to more of your questions. We're going to start things off here or continue things. I should say with uh, Luke CGI face who writes, Hey, John, been a fan since the AMC days. Thank you so much for that. The Luke's appreciate that this year. Uh, there is as many years between us and Batman begins as there is between Batman begins and Keaton's Batman. Oh my goodness. Seriously. That blew my mind. Time flies. Now I feel old. Uh, keep up the great work and congrats on the new house. Wait a minute. Is that true? Let me look this up. Uh, Batman begins. Oh my God. Is that, is that true? So Batman Begins came out in 2005, which is now 16 years, 16 years. And by uh, Michael Bachar sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you so much for that, Michael. Appreciate that, man. So we've got 16 years. So when was Batman? Uh, not Batman Begins. Come on. Batman was 89. So 16 years. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dude, think about that. There is now as much distance between us and Batman Begins as there was between Batman Begins and Tim Burton's Batman. 
Oh my god. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. You just broke my mind for the rest of the day. Now I feel, now I feel old as hell. Oh my god. Thanks for bringing that up, Luke. All right, next up. Uh, we got uh, Casey McNatt writes, one of two. Hey, John, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you, my friend. Don't know if anybody mentioned this yet, but when Darcy runs back towards the screen to watch the Pietro bit, the alarm bells are ringing in the background. I was thinking about this. And sword agents are scrambling, running frantically, implying the wall was breached at the same moment. So it makes you wonder who at that time is coming through the breach. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. And this, I will, I will say this is a problem with the show. Because when there's a breach alarm, Darcy runs outside, right? That happened last time when Wanda was breaching the wall. She runs outside. If there was another breach in the wall, why would Darcy run to her television? Why would she run back? What they were doing in WandaVision is they were basically using audio and visual uh, and uh, audio and visuals to communicate something really crazy is happening. And I remember watching, it's like, why would alarm bells be going off, right? Why would alarm bells be going off? Because I don't think there was another breach because Darcy runs outside when there's a breach, right? She frantically runs outside. She immediately like grabs her coat, runs outside. This was her, there was these alarm bells going on and Darcy running to her chair. Like somehow the alarm system knew that, hey guys, Pietro's here and it's not the Pietro we know, right? It's like, that made no sense. So I understand they wanted to create this, this feeling of something big and important is happening. The alarms are going off and the lights are going, oh, right? But it made no sense that they were doing that. Anyway, that's just me. So I noticed that too, Casey. I totally noticed that too. All right, Luke CGI face rights. Theory time. Wanda got pregnant straight after seeing the beekeeper and never saw him again. Since we know Wanda can only create something new from existing matter, she may, oh, wow. She may have turned him into her kids. Not 100%, but it does connect some dots, though. Again, if you go back and if you've read House of M and before that, The Avengers Disassembled, and you understand the nature of her twins. And we already, we look at, now I can't remember, did the revelation of her being pregnant happen before they ran outside or did it happen after they ran? I can't remember now at the top of my head. But um, here's the thing though. I was theorizing about this before. Everything that she makes in that world is made from something else, right? We know that Monica's flowery bird, white, blue pants was made out of her Kevlar vest. She took the Kevlar vest and then created it into something completely different, a pair of pants. Uh, She took the drone that Monica sent in, turned it into something else, although it looked very, unlike the pants, it was something very similar. We know she took all the vision pieces and made this new vision out of it. So where did the kids come from? If Wanda conjured the kids, the twins, she had to make them out of something else. Maybe it was the beekeeper. Maybe. Here's the other terrifying thing, though. This is the one that gets me, guys. Think about this. 
we find out that Wanda needs to make something out of something else. And then very soon after, we see Vision going, Wanda, why are there no children in Westview? I mean, I know this is a really, really dark one. This is a really, really dark one. But what if Wanda made her kids out of the other kids that were in Westview? I mean, totally dark. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying, you know, if Wanda's making things out of other things and then Vision says, Wanda, why are there no children here? I'm just saying it, it can get really dark. It could get really dark. But now think about this. I have a suspicion. I don't know this and I'm not willing to bet anything on this. There's also a possibility on the table that the twins weren't her doing. Just like Quicksilver showing up at the door wasn't her doing. I think she was legitimately surprised when the doorbell rang and she said to Vision, I didn't do that. Unlike other times with this time when the doorbell rang, she's like, I didn't do that. I wonder if her pregnancy might also be one of those I didn't do that moments. And if it is, then Wanda didn't need to make the kids out of something else. But again, if you know House of M, you know there's question marks surrounding the actual existence of the twins. But anyway, that that's another thing altogether. But uh, yeah, somebody just said in the live chat, two chicken bone writes, Wanda is killing younglings. Yep, it's like Vader all over again, man. It's Vader all over again. We will see what happens because by the way, like in the trailers, like Vision points out no children, but we know there's a, a Halloween episode coming, right? And in the trailers and the commercials for the show, we see at Halloween, there are children running around. Where did the children magically come from? I don't know. It's, it's so many great questions. So many great questions floating around in the air still, Luke. All right next up, Chad Furlong writes, John, could you ever do a ranking video about your top 10 TMZ stories, which actors could be best to play the roles of if people uh, of the people involved? Also, who did you vote for and what is your address and social security number? Uh, no to all of it. No to all of it. And because I am a... Um, uh, I am a permanent resident. I have my green card. I am a permanent resident of the United States. I'm not a citizen of the United States. I'm thinking about getting citizenship, depending on how long Ann and I are going to be here. Uh, I'm, th I'm, I'm thinking about it, but but I, since I am not a citizen, I cannot vote in the election. So there you go. So no to everything. All right, next up. Uh, Chad also writes, uh, I suspect Agnes could be Wu's missing person. Uh, more proximity from Westview gives more awareness of the hex. Uh, might get an episode showing how Agnes is undermining Wanda, killing the dog, because she is more aware of things than than she just moved here. Again, I don't think I've mentioned this before. I don't think the 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 person in witness protection has anything to do with the show. I really don't. I don't think we're ever ever even going to hear that brought up again. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe the missing, uh, the person who was in Westview that happened to be in witness protection, maybe that turns out to be a big, important thing. But right now, I kind of don't believe they're ever even going to mention it again. I don't think it's important at all. But there is something different about Agnes. Agnes is more than just the average citizen in Westview. What that is, I don't know. I don't think it's Agatha Harkness. I don't think she's Mephisto. I don't even think she's the villain behind the scenes because she seems too afraid of Wanda. 
but there is something different about her. I just don't know what it is yet. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Thanks for that, Chad. Next up, an anonymous viewer writes, over under 60%, the dialogue between Vision and Wanda in Civil War, if you do this, they will never stop being afraid of you. And her response, I can't control their fear, only mine, is used in the finale of WandaVision and consolidates her turn to the dark side. Hey man, it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be the first time in the MCU they do a callback on an important line to give emotional power to a current scene, right? It wouldn't be the first time. It's funny you mentioned that because I was just watching that clip the other day. I was watching that scene when Hawkeye shows up at Avengers headquarters to bust Wanda out. And as she's kind of getting ready to push him down through the floor, he says, if you do this, they will never stop being afraid of you. And she says, I can't control their fear. I can only control mine. Very powerful scene. But yeah, that line could be now be read back in a totally different context and have some terrifying ramifications, right? So, I mean, there's definitely... I will go under 60%. I think 60% is high. So I'll go under 60%, but I but I would take like over 30%. I'd take over on 30, maybe even over on 40. So I think there's a good chance they may do that. All right, next up, Garden Variety Vagabond writes... Uh, John, not sure if there is an actual direct relation, but wonder if the introduction of the plot element of cancer is to lay the groundwork for cancer for Jane Foster. Your thoughts? Oh, I don't think so. There's no connection between um, uh, Maria Rambo and Jane Foster. There's no connection between Jane Foster and this story at all. So I don't think there's some common, you know, cancer alien that's going through MCU characters. So I probably know, I don't think they're going to do this to lead. I think that one is one character. One is another, you know, cancer is the blight on humanity. It, it affects everybody knows somebody who's been affected by that disease. So I, I don't think in this MCU world, they need some kind of narrative connection to make that happen. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say no, probably no connection there. That's just my guess at anyway, garden variety. I am looking forward to seeing Jane back though. All right. Steve, uh, R B Y X writes one of two. Hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much. Uh, and you and, and you, and do a great job with the review. So here's my question. Is there a chance that the demon, uh, Chathon could be controlling Wanda because that character wants her power and could could have broken her psyche to where she created two of herself. Possible? Like if, whenever you ask a question, it says, is it possible? Or uh, is there a chance? Or could this ever? The answer to that question is always yes. Is there a chance? Yes. It seems, as Robert Meyer Burnett pointed out when this same topic came up a few days ago, um, it seems far too disconnected from what's going on here so far. We are now only four episodes away from the end of this thing. And that seems like a really far out and left field thing. So while I would say when you're asking the question, is there a chance? I would say yes. Anything you can come up with. I mean, like right now, there are very, very few options that aren't on the table right now. There are very few options that aren't on the table. I mean, literally anything. They could end this show anyway. Anyway, at all, some seem more and some seem less likely, though. So that's kind of my thought on that. Thanks for writing that in, Steve. I appreciate that, man. All right. Chris uh, Cutterer writes, I think the Quicksilver and WandaVision is just one of those common sitcom things of recasting well-known characters or using well-known guest stars. If you're recasting Quicksilver and using well-known guest stars, who better to use than a well-known version of the character? I mean, that's a possibility. Look, 
I, it is still, just so nobody purposefully misinterprets me, I am not saying it's not possible that this Quicksilver, this Evan Peters Quicksilver, is meant to literally be the exact same real Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men movies. I am not saying that's not possible. I'm not saying I would fall out of my chair in shock if it did turn out to be that. I think that is definitely one of the theories in play here and could very well be that, but I don't think it is. But if it's not, what the hell's going on? Like if I don't, if if it turns out that this is not the literal same Pietro from the Fox X-Men movies, then what is it? Because if it ain't that, then it's got to be something else. What's that something else? I mean, I can say it's an imposter. Okay. Okay, Campy, it's an imposter. Of who though? Why would they be impersonating that thing? And that I don't have an answer for. <laughs> that, that I don't have an I have no problem admitting that there are big holes in my theory that this isn't the actual Pietro from the Fox movies and I think it's an imposter. There are big holes in that theory of mine. <laughs> big holes that I can't answer. But I think that's true of just about every uh, possible thing that's out there. So I don't know. I don't know. That's a possibility, though, Chris. What you're mentioning here is definitely a possibility. All right. John's old barber writes, hey, John, I just saw on HR, is that Hollywood Reporter or Variety, that Army Hammer was dropped by his agency and possibly his publicist. Uh, how does something like that work? Is it like a firing or is there more to it than that? Always been curious about that stuff. Thanks. All right. So when a Hollywood person does not work for their agent. The agent works for the Hollywood star. Just like my accountant, all right? I have an accountant. I don't work for my accountant. My accountant works for me, okay? Um, your, if you have a plumber, you don't work for your plumber, your plumber works for you. You are their client. So in Hollywood, when you have a publicist or an agent, whatever, you don't work for them. They work for you. You are their client. So what has simply happened here? Let's say that I have, uh, let's say I have a plumber and, and, you know, I've recently had to use the work of some really skilled plumbers because we practically renovated the entire house that we moved into. So we needed the work of some really good skilled plumbers. And, Let's say, um, yeah, they were working for me. I'm their client, but I decided to, I just adopted eight Rottweilers, really mean Rottweilers too, really big, mean dogs. These eight in particular, not that Rottweilers are mean, but say these particular eight, I just got, and I just let them run around the house. And when the plumber comes over two of the Rottweilers bite his leg and the other one bites his nuts. Okay. That plumber is going to say, you know what? I recuse myself from, from working for you. I, I, I no longer want to have you as my client. I'm going to stop working for you. Uh, and that would be reasonable. So what the agency and publicists are probably saying right now is, you know what? With Army Hammer, and we haven't talked about this on the show, because I don't believe in talking about all the TMZ stuff, but now it's getting real practical. He could be, be now it's affecting the movies that we see because now he's being removed from certain movies. But this is simply a matter of the agent and the public publicist saying, you know what? We 
it, it is, it's not good for us to have you as a client. So they're, they're not firing him. They're just saying, we are no longer going to work for you. We're no, we're stepping away. We're no longer going to work for you. We think having you as a client would be problematic. Maybe army hammer doesn't have a Rottweiler biting them in the nuts, but it is something that they consider uh, hurtful for themselves. So they're stepping away from, so yeah, they're not firing him. They're just saying, we are no longer going to have you as a client. We're not going to work for you anymore. So, and that is an evolving situation. We'll see how that goes. All right, next up, Captain Blue Pants writes, one of two, I was the one who originally questioned how much people in the MCU knew about the snap and fair is fair. I was wrong in that one given uh, the Easter egg eggs dialogue mentioned by others. I do feel my point was misunderstood though, as I mostly questioned how much detail people would know whether or not they knew anything at all. Anyway, seeing how much characters know in WandaVision, it does seem like they know pretty much everything that has happened. Can't wait for Falcon and Winter Soldier now. And now listen, I think that's a that's still an ongoing question, Captain Blue Pants. I think this is still an ongoing question. I still think we're not really clear. I mean, when Norm gets pulled out of the the trance, out of Wanda's trance, clearly he knows a bunch of stuff. But even that scene, and Kevin Bloom sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you so much for that, Kevin Bloom. I appreciate that, man. Um, even then, we're we're not really given a good look at the entire breadth of how much is he aware of. There are still questions that he doesn't have answers to, but he does seem generally aware of what's going on, but we don't know how much. We still don't know how much. And I think that's interesting. I think that's still one of the unanswered questions here, Captain Blue Pants. And I am completely with you, brother. I cannot wait for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I really liked the, um, uh, I really liked the Super Bowl spot for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm really looking forward to this show. It's still my number one most anticipated MCU Disney Plus show. So uh, let's rock with it. All right, next up. Uh, J, uh, J.M.K. Klobuchar writes, those aren't pillows. One of the great uh, Steve Martin, John Candy moments in, of course, planes, trains, and automobiles. And I, uh, I think something coming up here as well. Excellent quote, J.M.K. I appreciate that. Uh, also, Murray Reich just sent in like a $20 Super Chat badge in the live chat to say you are amazing. Thank you, Murray. I appreciate that very much, my friend. Thank you for that. Uh, and Kevin Bloom sends in another one in the Super Chat badge as well. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate the support. All right. Uh, let's see. Sam Fisher writes, again, always, always good to have a good planes, trains, and automobiles quotes in there, J.M.K. All right. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, Potential spoiler for WandaVision. Uh, I don't, well, that, you know, it was days ago. Uh, I don't think it was Wanda breaking into sword. Ooh, really? I think it was the real mastermind disguised as Wanda. Also, uh, Vision has been dead for five years. If his will says he didn't want to be used as a weapon, what was he doing in a sword facility? Well, no, remember... His living will didn't say he didn't want to be used as a weapon. That was commentary that Jimmy Woo gave in the scene. What Vision's living will was, was that he was not to be recreated. He was not to be brought back to life. And his reasoning for that, according to Jimmy Woo's speculation and editorializing, was because he didn't want to be brought back and used as somebody's weapon. So it could be that S.W.O.R.D. was... At the same time, respecting his living will by not trying to put him back together again and bring him back to life, which they wouldn't have been able to do anyway. 
But at the same time, researching his body so that they could learn things from what he was to make other things. And that wouldn't necessarily have been violating his living will. Maybe. There's still a lot of unanswered questions there, but we'll see how that progresses. All right, next up, Sam Fisher also writes, was Padme uh, know as Luke? Was Padme know as Luke and Leia? Was she known as Luke and Leia's biological mom before the prequels? So when she showed up, it was a IHF, or was, sorry, let, let me try this one more time, Sam. Was Padme know as Luke and Leia bio mom before the prequels? So when she showed up was a HFS moment or was that revealed leak as the movies were being announced and made? Or was that a surprise kept under wraps for the theatrical run of the movies? Okay, so I think what it is you're asking is before the prequels came out, was it known that Padme Amidala was the mother of Luke and Leia? I, no, that wasn't a known thing. But I think that was something that was not a uh, a big surprise to anybody. The moment that we... Because we all know Vader is their father. And once we saw that Vader and Padme were developing a romance, well, then it became obvious she was Luke and Leia's mother. I mean, that just became obvious. Long before the events of Revenge of the Sith, we all knew that. Okay, so we know that this Palpatine senator, yeah, yeah, he's the emperor. Uh, we already know Vader's the father. Since he's now being romantically involved with uh, Padme, we know Padme is going to be Luke and Leia's mother. So no, it would, there was never a um, holy shit moment because we all saw it coming from miles away. But no, before the prequels, it was not known in Star Wars lore that a woman by the name of Padme Amidala was actually their mother. But it wasn't a surprise either when it happened. So there's that. All right, next up. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, one of my favorite uh, movie series is the Before series. Yeah, Before Sunset, Before Sunrise. Uh, the Before series with Ethan Hawke and uh, Julie Depley, directed by Richard Linklater. Is there another one set for release in 2022? Uh, since each movie is released nine years apart and the last one came out in 2013, I don't think there's another one. I could be mistaken about that. Um, uh, let me just see here quickly. I don't think there's plans for another one. I could be wrong about that. Uh, obviously, he's going to be coming up as the villain in Moon Knight, which I think is awesome. He's got a movie called The Black Phone, Zero Ones, The Northman, The Guilty. Tonight. No, so he's got nothing listed as that coming up. So I think they're done with the series. But no, seriously, there are many, many film fans. Uh, and T'Challa sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you for that, T'Challa. There are many film fans who when you talk about like greatest trilogies ever, a lot of them will bring up the before series. A lot of people really love, and it's great. I mean, the nature of those movies are not everybody's cup of tea. They're not for everybody. Like if you're the type of person that you generally only really like the big sci-fi and comic book material and that kind of thing, and you don't really watch a lot of the other dramatic stuff, then it's probably not for you. But they are incredibly done movies. And like I said, there are a lot of... Um, uh, cinemaphiles that would consider if you're putting together like a top five, top 10 best trilogies of all time, they'll, they'll put those movies in there. So anyway, it's good for you to bring that up, Sam. Well done. All right. Next up, we got James Argento who writes new theory. 
Monica in WandaVision is an evil scroll. Uh, got taken shortly after the blip. Uh, reason scans came back blank. Does not want to see Carol due to her knowing Monica well. Monica allows evil scroll to get someone in power at sword. Okay, so there's there's a couple things here. You, she would have to have been taken before the blip, not after the blip. So that's because after the blip, she's gone. She can't be replaced. Uh, and obviously she wasn't around. We had somebody write into the show the other day who works in that field that says when there's excessive energy or radiation coming off of somebody, it can cause that kind of blank uh, scan results. So that could mean Monica already has powers, although I don't believe that's the case yet, but it's a possibility. Or that there's residual uh, Wanda power on her. Because remember, Wanda threw her out of the dome and, in, and cocooned her in her own energy field to protect her from getting killed from going through the walls and everything. So it's possible that there's residual Wanda energy still on her. That's what caused the scans. It's also possible that maybe she already has powers. So I think that's unlikely, but possible at this point. I don't think the scrawl theory holds up at this point. I don't think it's a scrawl. I think I like the other person's theory a little bit better, but it's again, in this current MCU, James, you can't, you know, you can't throw that out. It's a possibility. It is a possibility. All right, next up. We just got a couple of minutes left here, guys. Sam Shaw from Plymouth writes, one of two. I took your recommendation and binged all of Shit's Creek in two weeks. What a beautifully hilarious show. Fantastic characters, phenomenal writing, and a genuine delight to watch from beginning to end. It's now my top 10 shows of all time. My favorite character was David. He's so great. Um, it's also amazing that despite hating Roland in season one, this show made me absolutely love him by the end of the show. You could tell the roses really grew to see him, not just as a friend, but as a part of their family. Listen, this is one of the truly brilliant things about Schitt's Creek. Um, the Eugene Levy, um, Daniel Levy, and by the way, the um, uh, Twyla in the show. I don't know if you knew this, Sam, but Twyla, the girl who works at the cafe, that's Eugene Levy's daughter and Daniel Levy's sister. So it's it's a whole Eugene Levy family affair, Schitt's Creek. But it popped up on everybody's radar when this year and Sadif uh, Advik writes in a super chat badge in the live in the live chat. Thank you so much, Sadif. Appreciate that. But it won everything at the Emmy. It broke all sorts of records at the Emmy. This year. It literally won every award. It won best series. It won best direction, best writing. Uh, best lead actor, best lead actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. I mean, it swept. It completely swept in a way that like nothing had ever swept like that before. It was absolutely crazy and it's totally deserving. This show is a terrific balance of beautiful charm and heart with absolute gut-wrenching hilarity. If you guys have what not watched uh, Shit's Creek, you really must. I was really late to the party on it, but you absolutely must watch it. It's it's phenomenal. All right. Sarah the Supernova writes, WandaVision spoilers. Anyone notice that when Wanda's visitor turns up and she says Pietro, uh, he doesn't actually answer. He just gives a look and opens his arms. Hmm. I, you know what? I never thought about that. Also, is there anything to the fact that this Quicksilver has been called Peter and not Pietro? I think he was referred to as Pietro 
I, I mean, I know Peter was said, but I also believe he was referred to as Pietro in the X-Men universe. So I, I don't think there's a discrepancy there. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think there's a discrepancy there. But you know what? You could be onto something. When she says Pietro, he doesn't actually acknowledge that. That could mean nothing. It could mean absolutely nothing. 100%. It could mean absolutely nothing. But I had never considered that, Sarah. Now that's something I'm going to look for as I go in and start watching episode six. Now I'm going to go back and watch the end of episode five and see if I can see anything there. But you're right. He doesn't actually acknowledge it. Again, it probably means nothing. Probably means nothing at all. But it's still an interesting catch there, Sarah. Well done. All right, next up. Evan, not Peters, writes, Hey, John. Hope you and Anne are settling in. We are settling in. Thank you so much. Regarding Wanda Vision Episode 5, did you notice in the mirror behind Wanda, as she's letting Pietro in, inside of the mirror bends uh, with a red hand looking like it's dragging him in, almost like a puppet. Now, I did not notice that myself. I have seen many pictures of it since. I've seen a lot of uh, YouTube theory videos being made about this. Let me see if I can pull up an image just so everybody knows what we're talking about. Um, Wanda vision hand mirror. Okay. Let me see if I can pull this up here to what everybody is, uh, talking about. Um, I cannot find an actual image to really show what it is you're talking about. At any rate, I don't think it's anything. I personally don't think that's anything, but, but, um, it, it is possible. There's something to that. Again, I I'm looking for, for things here. I don't really see anything, um, that would make me think that's definitely that, but again, it's, it's an ongoing theory for a lot of people that Evan Peters Quicksilver is either really Mephisto or is actually really being controlled by Mephisto, which are two radically different theories. Those are two like completely different theories, but a lot of people are coming up with this theory and a lot of people think about, so I personally don't think there's anything to it, but you never know. It very well could be. I think episode six will give us, we'll put that to question. I think if there's anything to it, we'll find out in episode six. And if it's not addressed, then it probably means it was nothing. I'm guessing it probably means it was nothing, but it could be. It could be. Let's keep our eyes open on it. All right, next up. Uh, Drew Russell writes, Hey, John. Was watching Wanda episode five review, and I have a theory. When Kevin Feige said that, when Kevin Feige said what he said about the five-year plan, what if he was being coy and referring to the five-year blip in the MCU, not our five years, but the MCU's just a thought, thanks. No, you know, he was very, very clear. And he repeated it a couple of times. Like, he was very straight up, straightforward. When people were asking him, okay, like when Fox was getting taken over by Disney and everybody asked him, when are you going to do X-Men? You can do X-Men right away. You can do Fantastic Four right away. When are they coming? When are they coming? Kevin Feige was very direct and very clear. He said, not anytime soon. I've already got the next five years planned out and we're going to follow my five-year plan. Once the next five years are planned out, then we'll start doing this other stuff. And he said five years. Now that was three years ago. That was three years ago. And I don't think it's a coincidence that now that he's announced a Fantastic Four movie is coming, guess what? By the time it comes out, it will be over five years since Kevin Feige said, first, I got to work out my five-year plan. Now, that does not mean 
that Kevin Feige has magically lost the ability to change his mind or to alter his plans a little bit. Like Kevin Feige saying it's going to be five years doesn't prove that he's not about to bring the X, all these X-Men characters into the MCU in WandaVision. It doesn't prove that. It's, it's a piece of evidence and it's a good argument, but it doesn't prove that because yes, Kevin Feige did say that and so far he's stuck to it. Every single MCU thing that has come out since the Fox merger, fans are constantly saying, this is the one where X-Men are coming and then they don't. And then the next MCU thing comes out and all the fans are like, this is where the X-Men are coming and they don't. And it's been like that for three years. But that doesn't mean it can't happen here. I mean, I think Kevin Feige is going to stick to his plan, but Kevin Feige is a human being. He can change his mind and maybe he changed his mind. I don't think he did, but he could have. He could have, but no, I don't think he was being coy at the time um, because it's not like, I mean, listen, Kevin Feige, if he was being coy, then the very next movie would have had the X-Men in it. He, was, he wasn't he was going to wait three years before he brought something in, right? So I don't think he was just being coy. I think when he said, I've got my five-year plan and I'm going to follow it, I think he totally meant it. But that was three years ago, and maybe he's changed his mind. I don't think he did, but he could have. So let's keep our eyes on that. All right, next up, Luke1234 writes, no lie, I was totally expecting the baby picture of Vision to be a microchip. Ha <laughs> that would have been funny. But baby Vision was pretty damn cute. Not baby Yoda cute, but up there. Listen, I'll tell you what, I laughed out loud. When they were doing the classic 80s thing of showing, you know, the baby pictures of them growing up and we saw these old pictures of Elizabeth Olsen. By the way, how much does Elizabeth, in those younger pictures, how much does she look like her sisters? In those younger pictures, how much does she look like Mary-Kate and Ashley? Like a ton. Anyway, but when they started showing Vision and like little baby Vision and then ba little Vision in school, I, I completely laughed out loud. Completely did. All right, just a couple more here, guys. Then we're going to wrap things up. We've already gone uh, almost 15 minutes over time. Uh, Mr. Hoover writes, Hey, John, I know you don't like video game movies, which is okay. No, no, no. It's not that I don't like video game movies. It's just that every video game movie has been bad. Right? It, it, but the most recent... Um, Tomb Raider I th with Alicia Vikander. I thought that was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. So it's not like I don't like video game movies. So when they come out, I just don't know. It's just that every video game movie that comes out is bad. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. I'm, I'm looking for a video game movie to love. Anyway, I know you don't like video game movies, which is okay. Why didn't you like the Prince of Persia? Because it was awful. <laughs> because with Jake Gyllenhaal, oh, and Ben Kingsley, that movie was bad. Anyway, uh, why didn't you like the Prince of Persia film too? Will Hans Zimmer and Nolan ever work together again after the Dunkirk spat? Oh, probably. These things have a way of working them things out. Three, do you think days, um, do you think a days gone Last of Us crossover would be cool? Mm, I think, I think particularly Last of Us doesn't need another property to be cool. By the way, my brother-in-law, Ray, loves Days, Days Gone. But um, anyway, Last of Us doesn't need another property to be cool. It, it's cool enough as it is. So let's, let's, let's just get some good video game stuff on the screen before we worry about crossovers and things like that. That's kind of my take on it right now, Mr. Hoover. All right, thanks for sending that in, man. Wakanda Forever writes, Hey, it hasn't been five years. We all fell for it. Disney has had this planned the whole time. I bet Marvel already has the X-Men and Fantastic Four movies cast by now. We just don't know it yet. I, I don't think so. I don't think, 
I don't think these Kevin Feige has attached directors or screenwriters or anything like that yet. Now he's getting close because we know Fantastic Four. We know he's got his director for Fantastic Four. That movie is still years away. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to find out that he's already got Fantastic Four cast, but they have made no announcements about even having directors or writers or anything yet for X-Men. So I don't think they're that far along yet. I don't think they're that far along yet. Could be wrong. Because that stuff always happens long before the public announcements are made, but we're years away from these movies getting made. So I'm going to guess they probably haven't finalized casting on any of that yet. Fantastic Four, they could be closer because they've got their director, though. All right, next up. Wakanda Forever also writes, A new Wanda show, uh, Black Panther 2 in the works. It has been a crazy time out here in Wakanda. There is talk of bringing Killmonger back, not any real talk, uh, of Killmonger back, and Mandalorian had CGI Luke Skywalker. They might try King T'Challa next. Disney might do anything at this point. No. One of the things Kevin Feige was adamant about, and he wasn't being coy, he wasn't playing around. They are not CGIing Chadwick Boseman. I mean, Kevin Feige was firm about that. I still think they should have recast him because I think the character of T'Challa is too important. But the one thing Kevin Feige was very firm about is we are not CGIing Chadwick Boseman. That is not going to happen. And I I have no reason to believe about that, right? I have no reason to not believe Kevin Feige about that. I, I don't believe for a second that they're going to break that and then have a CGI Chadwick Boseman. I don't think they're going to do that. All right, uh, Ezra West writes, I want to see a character like Ahsoka or Maul be the main character of the next trilogy. Uh, there are hundreds of species in Star Wars, but we focused on the humans and the only non-humans so far are ju have just been supporting characters. What are your thoughts? I don't care. I mean, let's, let's face it. The alien characters are fictional make-believe characters. It doesn't matter. From a marketing point of view, you have an easier time getting the audience on board and invested when it's human characters. I mean, that's... That's why the main characters of Star Trek are always human characters. Spock wasn't human. Yeah, well, he was 99.9% .9 human. He, his ears were pointed and his eyebrows were a little bit different. But for the most part, he's human. Uh, but listen, Ahsoka's got her own show coming, right? We've got this show called The Acolyte coming, and I've got a feeling it's not going to be a straight-up human girl. I don't think it's going to be a straight-up human girl. So those things are coming. I... I but I don't think there's any need to have an, an alien be the main character of an upcoming trilogy. I, I just don't see the need for that. Um, but from a marketing point of view, especially if they're all new characters, it's easier to do it with human characters. It makes it a little bit more relatable for a lot of people. So yeah, I, I don't see the need for there to be aliens as the lead characters. We are getting them in, in their own shows, again, with uh, Ahsoka and stuff like that, but I don't think there's a need to make them that for their main thing. All right, next up, uh, we've got CK writes. Dear John, greetings from London. I've always wanted to visit London. Uh, I hope you and Anne are keeping safe. We are so far. Thank you very much. Uh, I have to say, I wasn't sure where to start as I feel like I know you, LOL. This is my first time writing to you. Uh, I've been watching your podcast since your 2006 movie blog days. That is going to see a lot of people like from the AMC days or from the Man of Steel review. And that's awesome. It's, it's, there's a true OG when you go all the way back to the movie blog days. That was my website that I, 
that I used to run before I started working for AMC theaters. Um, then I watched you transition from movie blog to AMC to Collider. And now the John Campus show, you've been part of my daily diet of movie news for the last 15 years. And I have no idea why I've waited this long to message you better late than never. I suppose, dude, first of all, I am so honored that you have been following along and, and watching for that many years since I started that little movie blog. Um, that is amazing to me. So first of all, thank you so much for being along for the ride and, and being a part of this journey I've been on for 15 years. Seriously, thank you so much for that. That is truly an honor to me. And thank you for writing in and making yourself known. And thank you for supporting the channel for all these years. It is deeply appreciated, CK. Thank you for that. And hopefully someday I'll get a chance to fly out to London, maybe do a meet and greet out in London. I know I constantly get a lot of messages from people who watch the show from the UK and from London specifically. So hopefully one of these days I'll be able to get out there and do a meet and greet there. Thank you so much for that, CK. And please, you stay safe as well. All right. CK also writes, I really loved your collaborative work on AMC and Collider, and it was really great watching you discuss movies with Amy Rose. By the way, Amy Rose is one word. Uh, a Amy with an I, Rose, all one word. Anyway, uh, Harloff, Ella Schnepp, uh, RIP, Roka, Knapsack, to name a few. But I was saddened by your departure from, from Collider, and I must admit, when you first started the John Campus show, I didn't hop on board immediately due to time constraints. I stuck with Collider as I liked their format, which you brilliantly crafted. Uh, but when that show took a different direction, it wasn't for me, so I started watching the John Campia show and have not missed a single episode since. I love it. Well, thank you, man. Uh, you're not only eloquent in the way you discuss movies and TV, but you also possess a great wealth of knowledge about the business side of that medium too. And it's great watching you and Robert Meyer. Uh, there's no a in Meyer, by the way, and then you and Robert Meyer Burnett discuss financials and the ecosystem of show business, by the way, a big shout out to Robert Meyer Burnett. And I thought I had a big DVD Blu-ray collection. He has a massive one. Uh, Aaron and Chris hope to see Aaron and Chris return to your show sometime soon for almost a year now. I've been working from home due to the pandemic. I've been working at home for a long time too. Uh, when I am exercising in my little home gym, instead of music playing in the background, I have the John Campus show playing instead. Also, when I am cooking dinner, it is your show I have playing in the background. Sorry for the long message, dude. No, thank you. Sorry for the long message, but it has been 15 years. Uh, a lot to get off my chest. I just want to say a big heartfelt thank you uh, for what uh, you do and please don't stop uh, one day when this nightmare pandemic is behind us and upon my next visit to the US if we were ever to cross paths I would be honored to shake your hand best regards champ PS congratulations on your new house and purchase PPS or PSS I uh, just watched your four hour and 22 minute one division episode five spoiler discussion awesome well that was a mouthful thank you CK again for all the stuff that I said before and yeah listen it was me leaving Collider was, I mean, it was, it was, it, it was bittersweet. I mean, on, on the one hand, you build something from scratch the way we, and really Collider was the continuation of what I had built at AMC. And then we brought it all over to Collider and you put all these pieces in place from, you know, Harloff and Schnepp and Amy Rose and so many others. And you build this thing the way you think it'll function really great. And then getting it working really well and running really well and then having to make the decision to leave. And it was the right decision for me. Leaving at that time was the right decision for me. And I'm not going to go into all the drama again, but you know, leaving was the right decision for me. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know, you know, I still remember sitting down 
with Jeremy Johns and I went out for dinner shortly after I made the decision to leave Collider. And he was talking, so what are you hoping is, is going to happen? I'm like, well, I'm just hoping I can like maybe make $200 a month. If I can make like $200 a month, just to, you know, combine with the money that I've saved and maybe I can, uh, I don't know, maybe I can eat this out for a little bit. I don't know what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. But I just feel like this is the right move for me. And I, I always believe in betting on yourself. Always be ready to bet on yourself. And I'm ready to, I'm willing to bet on myself. And I remember when I said that and, and John's looked at me, it's like $200 a month, dude. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, I'm hoping I can get like 100,000 views a month or whatever. And and it's just been amazing uh, what's happened since then. And the ability to have people like Robert Meyer Burnett and, you know, we've had, you know, Jonathan Voico on board and we've had Ray on board as to this day and all these other things that we've done. It's just uh, amazing the journey, where the journey has taken us from, me starting a little blog in a, a buddy's basement in 2003 that I called the movie blog. And it's, you know, when I was still kind of working in law at the time and now being where we are here today, it's amazing. I, I get to be a part of the best fan community in the world. I get to watch and talk about movies. I get to do something that I love um, and hopefully share some of that love and, and joy that this stuff gives me with other people at the same time. It's, it's been amazing. And, um, it's been because of people like you CK that I've been able to do it and that why I'm still here doing it and why we continue to grow and, and all that kind of stuff. So thank you to CK and to everybody else out there who have been along this journey, whether it was from the movie blog days or whether it was from the AMC days or whether it was from the collider days or whether you've only discovered us since we became the John Campy show. Thank you to everybody who's, uh, let us do that. So a deep heart, seriously, uh, thank you to everybody and to you, CK. And thanks for writing all that nice stuff in, man. means a lot. And again, hopefully one day I'll get a chance to get out to London and we'll do a meet and greet out there. All right, we'll do one last question here today, guys, and then we're going to wrap things up. Uh, Kirky Novak writes, sorry if you've already talked about it. I didn't have time to watch your last video, but it's been bothering me when Monica defended Wanda by saying she could have been taking more hostages, but put up a self-quarantine. I figured out why. Uh, everything that the characters knows indicates Wanda put up the dome to prevent people escaping or getting in. Nothing about self-quarantine. Either Monica knows more than she lets on or the writers tip their hand too early and let it slip. Uh, and it's an indication that there's something in Westview that should not and cannot get out that Wanda is preventing it from escaping and spreading. Maybe uh, my money's on the ladder, hoping to catch up on your show soon. Thank you so much for that, Kirky. See, here's the thing that bothered me too, right? We talked about this. I think we talked about this either in the companion video or in the open spoiler discussion. I can't remember, but when he's making the case, when the director is making the case in that meeting and saying she's holding thousands of people hostage and Monica's comeback is, and it could have been thousands more if she didn't put up that shield. I'm like, wait a minute, time out. Are you actually defending the crime by saying eh, the crime could have been worse? Is that, and I remember thinking that was odd because to me, it's like, Hey, that guy broke into a pet shop and murdered 20 puppies and then saying, yeah, but he could have gone across the street and murdered 20 more. So he's not that bad. Like, I know that's not an apples to apples comparison per se, but still, I remember when Monica tried to bring that up as a defense, 
It's like, yeah, she's got thousands of people hostage, but it could have been more. I mean, I remember sitting there at home watching the episode and going, really? Did she really just say that? So I think you're right, Kirky. I think you're right. I think there, it could be that there's something more going on here. Maybe there's a situation where we're wanting to know she's keeping something inside. Because remember, getting into the dome has been easy. Anybody can just go into the dome. They sent drones in, you know, Agent um, Franklin, the beekeeper, he went in no problem. Monica went in no problem. Going in was not the problem. The getting out, the getting out is difficult. And maybe Wanda is keeping something inside. Maybe she's keeping something there. Maybe. It's not a bad theory, and, and it could be what they're doing. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll keep our eyes on that. All right, guys, listen. For everybody else still to come, Loki Doki, the one uh the, the Wakanda Forever, uh Ted Wren, and on. We will get through all the remaining questions in a companion video that we have coming up a little bit later today. So if you have sent in a question and you're still waiting for it to get answered, it's gonna get addressed in the companion video. A little bit later today, Robert Meyer Burnett's going to do that one today because he knows I'm still working with my contractors on the one last thing that has to happen to my house. So I got to work with them today. So Robert Meyer Burnett's going to be doing a big companion video later. Keep your guys' eyes open for that. And by the way, if you want to start sending in questions for tomorrow's uh, The John Campy Show, you can get them in early. So it'll be one of the first questions that gets addressed. Simply, once again, use the tip link that's in the description of this video at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show if it's reasonable. Uh, and of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And a big thank you to all you guys who do support the show that way. All right, guys. That'll do it for this uh, long edition of the John Campion Show today. Thank you so much for taking the time out and joining us today. Thanks to Robert Meyer Burnett for bringing his glory and goodness to the show. And a special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions because, number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campion Show, thank you guys very much for it. All right, guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, no more mutants. <laughs>